There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I'm worried driving the car with obviously and she teaches. I'm not going to give this any more credence. I'm not going to let the person win. I will not be a victim. We have nothing to put the patient onto, so they're safer on an ambulance trolley. What I did in the morning, TJ, is crack. It's like a herding. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ. Coogan. I got a mention last night, so I did. Got a mention from Marty Whelan, so I did. Well, he didn't use my name, but he mentioned the gang of which I'm a member. We watched the Eurovision on WhatsApp. A gang of us. It all started kind of during COVID when we couldn't meet up. Uh, it's called the Eurovision Brains Trust and you could have anything up to 10 or 12 or 15 of us watching the contest at the same time. And there were people who liked the Wild Youth song. There were people who hated the Wild Youth song. The general overall view last night of the Eurovision Brains Trust was that we would get through. And I honestly thought that we was kind of robbed. suit he could have left behind him but I thought that was good enough to get us through a handy little pop song, very well performed got a great reaction in the auditorium and I honestly thought it would go through, like I do not understand how this went through like how on earth how on earth did that go through that's Croatia, by the way, in case you care. Um, veteran of 23 Eurovision Song Contests we first met in Mill Street many years ago, and he joins me from Liverpool this morning. Dermot Manning. Morning, sir. Good morning, PJ. Did you think before. we did enough to make it? I did, actually. Yeah, I agree with you. I was just listened to you there. Uh, I, and you're right, it went down brilliantly in the hall. Uh, it was super, I have to say, fair play to the BBC. Great production last night. And yeah, I'm disappointed. I, I, you just played a creation song, but Switzerland made it through. 
uh, Portugal made it through. Um, you know, Israel. You know, they're. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing. I thought we were good enough. I do think we were good enough. The, the list I have actually somewhere. I'll get, I'll get it in a minute. There was a couple of surprises on the list. Um, mm. Croatia being one of them. Norway wouldn't have been a surprise. No. Um, Czech, Repub- Czech Republic. Yeah, that was. Was that a surprise to you? Oh, well, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think that would make it. Yeah. There were two bankers always. You were always looking at Sweden and Finland. I'll come to them in mm. a minute. Israel. Um, there's been political stuff going on over there this week. I thought might have affected their public vote, nope. but but it yeah, didn't. never 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 does in Eurovision. It never does. There's a thing. There's a thing. Dermot, have we completely lost it this day? Should we walk away and say we give up? I, I, I you can't you can't just you know take your ball and, and leave the pitch as it were. You know, I mean, every other country has had troubles as well. Netherlands for years and years and years, you know couldn't make it out of semi-finals either and then they came back and they won it a couple of years ago so it's it's always possible uh, I do wonder though I mean I think the format where we choose our entry I think we need to either go into a purely internal selection or certainly don't do the late late show that that's not working so but I mean, we, I mean and, and then and we have great songwriting talent in Ireland so let's encourage it to enter you know this is the point that you and I and many others in that brain trust of which I speak have have said over the years we have world beating quality of musicians songwriters performers in this country the idea that we can't take on Europe and win for an eighth time on top of the seven we already have and get out of a semi-final more regularly than we do it doesn't make sense to anybody who knows the quality of of our music industry I agree with you. I mean, and yesterday particularly, there's only 15 songs in that show. I mean, we only have to be better than five other right. songs, and we weren't. And we weren't. So you know, I mean, that's not. That's not a huge. I mean, you and I, PJ, have been at your Eurovision semi-finals when there's been like 23, 24 songs in it, and only 10 got out. I mean, we only had to be better than five, and we weren't. You know, it's 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 it, it's very very sad. Now, something changed last night with regard to the the voting. It was all down to the public. That has never served us well, I would say. Uh, it's actually I, I, did, I checked back on the stats. Um, it's, it's exactly fifty fifty. One year the we would have made it in if it was only public voting. Another year we would have made it in if it was only jury voting. Um, it's it's kind of no. The public are they're, they're as good as they are. Like they're, 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 we're the same as everyone else basically. Yeah. Now the staging of the show. I commented immediately the minute the show opened. What a stadium! What's it like inside? It's small. It's very, really? very small. Yes, it looks enormous, Dermot. No, it's smaller than the than the um, point that the, 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 the three arena now. The point where we want to call it in Dublin. Uh, it's very nice. It's very tight. You know, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's it's certainly and the stage comes right out into the middle of the arena. So, um, so the atmosphere was terrific because it's not huge at all. I mean, it's not these vast, like, you know, stadiums that we've been in in the past. And, I mean, fair play to the BBC, and we were all commenting, like, exactly that the timings were perfect. You know, I mean, a, a big change initially last year where timings were just a suggestion. <laughs> I mean, the BBC, absolutely, you know, they rehearsed the thing to the nth degree and they made sure it ran perfectly to time. And, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, lovely, it's a lovely venue. And, you know, we could get, you know, for one, you get the queues that the bars weren't miles long. They can buy all your merchandise there. You know, it's, it's well, 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 very well organised. Last year, 
uh, Dermot, when you and you were in, in Turin and we were speaking in advance of it, it was a done deal. It was who was going to come second to Ukraine. We we all kind of knew that in, in, in the wake of the war breaking out. That is highly unlikely this year, I would suggest. Would you agree it's with impo- me? It's, it's not impossible. Okay. It's not impossible. I mean, there's a lot of speculation as to who will turn up from you from Ukraine on Saturday night, like maybe the president will turn up or some, or his, you know, or the prime minister, who, who knows? But um, I, I, I still think there'll be a big public vote for Ukraine. I think this year, you mentioned it in your introduction, though, Sweden, Finland, and they're going to hoover up a huge amount of the public votes this year as well, which didn't happen last year. Let's have a listen so, to them while we have a second, Dermot, yeah. because I'll come back to Ukraine, because they don't, of course, have to qualify being, being a, a defending champion. Let's listen to, like, this is the maddest thing that I've ever heard. This, the Incredible Hulk, and and God knows else what they can assemble on stage. Like, what are we talking about here? It's like a, it's like a track from a scooter album, Dermot. It's carry out. It's 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 enormously popular in the hall. I mean, at BBC, they put it on last last night as well. So they knew then from a timing point of view that was the song to finish with. I mean, yeah. I mean, I get you, PJ. I mean, it's not my favorite song in the show yeah. either. But um, the audience loves it. The audience loves it. And you know yeah. what you do? The audience likes. There the you audience go. Likes and it's in, in fairness, it's visually fun too. And then there's Sweden. Now, I think this is a very poor second place to the song she won it with originally back in 2012. Euphoria went on to be an international dance hit for, for months on end afterwards. That's forgettable, I would have thought. And sitting, sitting in her in her bed, as someone called it, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, two, or two sunbeds. Edwina Scissors hands, you know. I mean, but I mean, the thing is, though, I think it and Finland took a huge, will take a huge amount of the points from the public, you know, on on Saturday night. So I, I think Ukraine will struggle to get the same points as last year. Mm. And I don't think the juries will go for Ukraine like they did. And last year, Ukraine did very well for the juries as well. So, um, but I mean, we had the watch out for France. Watch out for France. France is a good one. I mean, brilliantly staged. And France hasn't won the contest since 1977, so they're well. People forget that, and that's one of the big five. They haven't won since 77. Yeah. Yeah. When the when the UK when the UK hosted the contest as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, you have made, made, been making predictions the last couple of years which went against the grain. I, I remember you telling me, watch Manskin, and I laughed at you, the Italian <laughs> one. Last year, you told me Ukraine was going to win it, but watch the UK. And oh. Sam Ryder, he would have won it if Ukraine weren't there. He would have won it any, by a haymaker as well. Any other year, any other year. What are, yeah. you telling me, what are you telling me this year, Dermot Manning? I think France. I think France. I think France is the one to go for. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, the only thing is someone that said the French do not want to win because they're they're hosting the the Rugby World Cup coming up in a couple of months. They're hosting the Olympic Games next year. They're doing the Junior Eurovision Song Contest I think in December. As France does not want to win, they they've so much on their plate. 
Yeah. But I actually think that if, if, if the jury's plump for one song over all the others, I don't think they'll go for Sweden. I think they will pick something different. Mm. And the French song is terrific. So right. I Well, Mr. Manning, go we're going for three in a row. I laughed at you when you said Italy, and I shouldn't have. And last year you were spot on about Sam Ryder watching him. You're telling me France. I think France. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Dermot Manning, thank you very much for joining us from uh, Liverpool on uh, attending his 23rd Eurovision Song Contest. We met as younger men, far younger men, in Mill Street. And we have been firm friends ever since. And Dermot Manning is rarely wrong when he makes a prediction. I will give him that. 0818969696. I still think, and I think Dermot agrees with me, I think we were robbed. I do. I like that tune. I, he could have left a gold lame suit in the suitcase. But maybe he was channeling his inner Harry Styles, but it didn't work for him, did it? Lyra is a suggestion coming in. Do you know what? I, I could not agree with you more there. Lyra would be magnificent. Lyra is one of the biggest stars we've produced in this country in a very long time. Watch Lyra. I remember first interviewing Lyra a couple of years ago. I think it was for International Women's Day. We had a chat with Lyra and she's just growing and growing and growing. She's a big star now and she's one of our own. Would she be a Eurovision contender? Let's see it maybe. Uh, We need a circus act with vocals from a death metal singer and we're in the final. This is Justin. You're talking about, was it Lordy? I honestly... put my head in my hands that night and my sister-in-law said Lordy for the win but then my sister-in-law's into death metal since she was five but anyway yeah wild youth weren't wild enough it's all about outrageous and the spectacle now rather than the song says Kate Tom let's be honest did you understand any word that Connor was singing no one on this planet could understand what he was singing rule number one it has to be singable how do we put that through I, I'll take that from you Tom, and I'll answer it with this. Like, really? (laughs) Someone is saying channeling his inner 1970s show band with the outfit. Look at Harry Styles. He wears those jumpsuits all the time. John, I don't ever watch it. We get no sympathy vote. That seems to be the way the voting systems worked. Ukraine got great votes last year. It seems to be a contest for the underdog. It's a load of rubbish. I won't be taking it to heart. We was robbed, says Anne. I still love it. I, I, I don't know why, but I just do. Dust in the Turkey was part of the Irish coverage, and that was picked up by other countries' media. I think we're still suffering from that. Martin, Dust in the Turkey was there because the BBC requested... This is true here. The BBC requested Dust in the Turkey to be there and to appear on stage or appear in the show with the presenters. So, can't blame RTE for that. Um, actually, speaking of the presenters, the only thing I thought was Alicia Dixon's auto cue was way above her head, but then I'm getting way too technical. I think we was robbed. Absolutely robbed last night. We should be heading for the final. Dermot is picking France. I don't have a grab of France. I might get one before the end of the show. The fans are saying Finland with the with the cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Okay, and then Laureen is the big favourite because she won in 2012 and she's back in it. For Sweden, she is another big favourite with with her 
tattoo song. We shall see on Saturday, and we won't be there, unfortunately. Second semi-final is Thursday night. 0818 96 96 96. I'd love to know what you think. Do you think we was robbed? Uh, do you... There are those who think we should just take our ball and, and walk away. We haven't qualified since 2018. France, one of the big five who don't even have to qualify. France haven't won, as Dermot said, since 1977. So, who has more rights to walk away? Casey and Ross want to send you to Independence Music Festival in Mitchellstown from August 4th to 6th. We've got a pair of weekend camping passes to give away every day. Plus, we'll upgrade one lucky winner to four weekend camping passes with VIP arena access, a pitched perfect bell tent, food and beverage tokens for the entire weekend, indie merch, and side of stage access for an artist of your choice. Join Casey and Ross in the morning from 6. All this week to win only on Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text to WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96. This is the opinion line with PJ Cook. Corks 96 FM. Just a couple of things we were following yesterday. This time yesterday morning, we were engrossed in a conversation about those violent scenes at an under 14 hurling match, it turns out. There were big lads. For under 14s, but under 14s they were. It we weren't naming them yesterday, but it's out there today. Bally Giblin, which is a team from near Mitchellstown, and St Vincent's from here on the north side of the city, and a very ugly row, which was videoed and shared widely. Rebel Oak, the board of Rebel Oak, has now said it will be investigating this. It's waiting on a referee's report that hasn't been forthcoming yet. Any disciplinary action will be dependent on the outcome of the investigation. Normal procedure is that the referee's report will be awaited and then there will be an inspection and investigation, etc, etc, etc. The board is aware of the incident. Well, I'm sorry now, but why wouldn't it be? It happened last month. It went viral at the weekend. Why did someone hold on to it for a couple of weeks if they had film or video of it. Why did they hold on to it for a couple of weeks? It happened earlier in April. Now, there's some concern, I'm reading here from Anne Murphy and the Examiner, there's some concern that GDPR breaches could be an issue here because of the sharing of the video. And one or two callers on the opinion, and Esther was saying, why would you do this and share the video? You're making things worse. Well, because the players are underage... Uh, there are concerns about their underage status and GDPR. We'll see where that will go. And Rebel Oak will not be commenting publicly on any particular game. That's the latest on that one. Uh, the GAA go row continues to drag on, getting very political right now. See Virgin Media throwing in their tuppence worth last night, saying that when the rights were up for discussion, they weren't just they weren't asked. Uh, did they want anything? Because if you look at the way the rugby went, the Six Nations rugby, one of the reasons that has stayed public, stayed free to air, is because they share, the, the rights are shared now between RTE and, and Virgin Media. And that way we get all of the games. Another thing going around this morning, I've probably got lots of parents listening to me. They make up a huge proportion 
of our audience, parents of all ages, male parents, female parents, whatever. Would you choose to be a parent again if you could turn the clock back? This is a survey that comes from the US. It was kind of a a poll that they did. 7% of parents in the US said if they had a chance over again, they wouldn't have kids. Germany in 2016, 8% said they wouldn't have kids if they had their chance over again. And in Poland, that's as many as 10%. They've been looking at this down in the University of Limerick. And they're saying, look, It's not that we don't love our children. We do. It's not that we'd give our children back. We wouldn't. But if we had our time over, would we actually be a parent? At that point in your life where you sat down and decided, right, it's time to start a family. Or maybe you didn't. Maybe the family was started by Mother Nature for you, if you know what I'm getting at. But if you decided to start a family, and you went ahead and started the family, if you had your time over... Would you do it again? It's a good question. Whether your kids are three months, three years, 13, 23, 33, would you do it all again? Given what you now know. When you were a parent or when you were thinking about starting a family and all full of the joys of love and procreation and all that old stuff. Would you do it again? Would you do it all again? Your thoughts are welcome on that at 0818. 96, 96, 96. Couple of calls on the Eurovision Song Contest. Noel, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yeah. I, kind of, I was listening to last night, my daughter, and uh, there was four songs that I thought wouldn't go through. I was shocked that they all went through. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, well, the, the one with the five all, all fellas. I think you get five better lads in a pub on a Friday night. Our lads? No, the five fellas that went through. Oh, the, yeah, uh, some the of them guys. are. Yeah, oh, the old lads. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> no, hang on, careful, careful now. You're an old lad these days at 35, so you know what I mean? Well, I can say that I'm 52. <laughs> I have you, I have you, I have you. Yeah, look at what went through. Norway, Serbia, Portugal, Croatia, Switzerland, Israel, Moldova, Sweden, Czechia. And Finland, including now, there's two of the favourites in there: Sweden and Finland. Yeah, Norway, I thought was borderline. I didn't know what they go. It sounded a bit too Viking, to be honest. The, the five lads dancing around their jocks. Oh, I think I know. Oh. I think I know the one you mean now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was uh, that. That I think that was that was this. I think was it the Croatian? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That yo, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very strange. But then again, isn't it more like the spect- more about the spectacle now? No. Yeah, but it's supposed to be a song contest. In all fairness, it is. It is. Although I, I do remember the first time the televoting happened. I happened to be out. I wasn't at the contest. I'd been at a, a concert that night, and we got back to a pub in time for the voting. And I'd seen all the semi-finals, and I was kind of fairly sure of where I was thinking. Well, back to the pub, and there was a fellow voting furiously. For Greece, and I said, "Hang on a second, I said, Ah, yeah, but look at her! Isn't she? now the sound of the pub was turned down, right? He was voting for her because he thought she was the best-looking woman in the contest." <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's yeah. That seems to be th- the way things are going. How would you change it, Noel? How would we get through again? I don't know. I think even if it was just a jury vote on every on all the songs, yes. as well, they had the telly vote if they wanted, but. Yeah, well, they, they took the jury vote out of it last night for the first time in the semi-finals. Yeah, yeah. I 
But as Dermot said, and Dermot knows the statistics inside out, we've we've fifty fifty. We we do well sometimes with the juries, not so well other times. Well with the public vote, not so well other times. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not what it used to be anyway. No, no, no. Is it time to go back to a national song contest rather than this thing of the late age show? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. National song contest, hold it at the Opera House, say? Yeah. Hold it House. at the Opera House or hold it at the Point or wherever you put it, they're calling it this week. Yeah. Hold it at the Opera House and have proper juries around the country and then have a public vote. Do it like they do in the final where yeah. the juries actually vote and then we throw in the public vote and see what that does. Because yeah. that's great fun. I, th- I think that's the best bit of the final now, Saturday night, is that the public vote will come, or the jury vote will come in, and the jury vote will leave us with a scoreboard, and then we'll take the public vote, and God only knows what happens. Oh, that, that, that's, that, that seems to happen every year, but at least you get an idea of how good the song actually is when there's a jury vote there. It's true, it's true, because they're listening to the show. No, thank you. John, you made this point yesterday. Morning. How are you, sir? What are you thinking about wild well, use? Wild use, I fell out of favour with them. It wasn't a bad song, right? But the way I didn't like the way they treated their uh, artistic director there, and then um, he should have been allowed his freedom of speech. Like, and that should be separate to uh, his connection with the band and the song and your revision. But it so, didn't change the song. It didn't change the performance. No, but I mean, like, I felt what they'd done was wrong to him. I think he should have been, he was part of the package and it was wrong what they'd done. No, They felt they couldn't associate themselves with some of the things he was saying on social media. Well, again, as I said, what about, with this already hate speech, going through the door, just freedom of expression, everything. I mean, there's a man out in tight, it was on opinion. Like, I mean, and surely you can compartmentalise what he, his connection with the band and his views and other stuff. I mean, last time you looked, we're living in the bloody democracy. Mm. But anyway, getting back to the Eurovision itself, um, I think the Raven of Death appeared last night. I hadn't realised, but your good self gave us the information this morning that the Raven of Death, uh, the Turkey, Justin, <laughs> I've appeared. never in my life, John. That's a new one now. We've talked it now. How many over the years? You've, you've, the Raven of Death. That's gas. Yeah. Yeah, you know what the Raven is associated with all the things. He's a scavenger and he's a kind of, you know... Yeah, I know, uh, I know. He's associated with death. But, I mean, the very fact... No, I mean, I thought first maybe that's his artist and him along. But no, he had to be invited by the BBC. He was invited, but, I mean, was this subliminal or what? Like, I mean, we had 800 years of the Brits. I mean, keeping a stone. Did they decide, no, like, I mean, come on, let's scupper them all together. Let's bring that blasted turkey back again. The Raven of death, the turkey well, of death. Well, if they were asked to bring the turkey back, they could have refused. Just mean... Well, I think Artie should have refused to bring him over because definitely he's the greatest jinx that ever walked in Eurovision. <laughs> I reckon just like Mayo will never, the Mayo football team will never win the all football all Ireland because the cost of Sam is, is upon them. We'll never win the Eurovision again because we sent that blasted turkey in a shopping trolley. People will never forgive us. <laughs> you see, Jim, John, I'd agree with you only that younger people have never heard of that. Like this was. 2000 and what? It was years ago. I know, but... And we have qualified since. We have, but I mean, I don't know, I think there's a residue still hanging around, like, I mean, but I'll finish on this, like, I mean, I was the first stand like a lot of people four years ago, and I was in my 20s, when the first Eurovision came along, and you see all the exotic women like that you wouldn't see here, no, because we're so multicultural, and fellas next day would be saying, did you see the Polish blonde there last night? Well, I'm not sure. Someday I'm going to go to Poland, because Poland, that's in Pidgey, like, was so exotic, it seems so far away. But no, 
this the, that exotic blend is now working a super value up the road and I'm not 20 anymore. <laughs> Go on, John, thank you. 0818-969696. I agree with John. I was mortified when I saw Dustin. I think it discredited wild youth, says Sarah. You see, I, I don't... I'm going to... Shooting myself in both feet here. I don't get all the sort of we hate Dustin stuff. It was a bit of fun. It backfired. It was a long time ago. And trust me, if you look back over the history of Eurovision, starting in the 50s and 60s and 70s, it's not the maddest thing that was ever sent over there. Like, again, I refer you to to this. You know, I mean... You know, as as Noel said a while ago, five outfellas jumping around in their jocks. One of them looked like... Do you remember LOLO, the old BBC comedy from youngs ago? Looked like her flick in a pink raincoat, one of them did. Joe, you don't think... You, you, you couldn't believe Wild Youth didn't get through. Good morning, PJ. Not it's, it's a farce, really, in fairness. Um, we definitely deserve to get through last night, whatever about them. To win it, I even thought of the winning song, in fairness, was very, very good. Mm. And the words, the lyrics and everything. And comparison to the first crowd, mother of God. Please, <laughs> Jesus. We nailed like looking at a load of little Hitlers or something running around the place. That's right. That, that, if you remember, you're old enough to remember, hello, hello, so am I. Do you remember her yeah. flick, the fella in the long plastic raincoat, always used yeah. to turn up in it? It looked like that. In pink, <laughs> with your jock sticking out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know there was no unfairness. We have no hope after this. You know what I mean? It was a bit... It's all political, PG, as you know yourself anyway, it's at all. Well, the public vote no. certainly is mad. Yeah. Um, it's disappointing, though, to put you off of watching it. Yeah. yeah. Will, you know, the, will, will you watch it out Thursday for the fun of it or what? I wouldn't be Saturday. bothered now. Will you watch no. it Saturday? I used to be great before, but um, I'd probably watch the highlights of it. Yeah. I've loved it before, the boat and everything. But you, you could sit down there and predict it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even last night I could predict it. I knew Norway were going to get through. Did you? I hated it. Yeah, and I, knew I hated years. that. I did too, yeah. You know. And your man with the with the, the pink waistcoat or whatever it was? Yes, yes. No, hilarious, but no. <laughs> Not at all. Dustin, Dustin the Duck again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think, in fairness, you know, we don't often credit John O'Donovan with coming coming up with beauties, but certainly the Raven of Death. I I, I like that one. I do Absolutely, like. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe, what's that? What's that? Not a bother, PJ. Mind just Take care, fella. Bye bye. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Send Declan Nerney or Christy Moore. <laughs> Will you play rock and roll, kids? Top it all off, says Justin. I'd probably get sacked. Right, did you know Rock and Roll Kids? This is scary. Rock and Roll Kids is 30 years next year since Rock and Roll Kids won. Chorus was great, says Kathleen. Versus way too slow. You're waiting forever for something to happen in the Wild Youth song. <laughs> it's the longer song contest. It's all about the staging and the drama and shocking people. We should pull out. No, Bernie, I'm, I'm with Dermot Manning here on this. No, we don't pull out. That's walking off the pitch because you didn't win the match. That's refusing to turn up because you didn't win. 
Nah, don't like that idea. Never have liked that idea, but you're entitled to it. Bernie says Lyra for Eurovision. A lot of people think Lyra should get a go. I agree with John O'Donovan. I was mortified when I saw Dustin. Ah, listen, get over Dustin. Get over Dustin. It was a bit of fun that backfired. And as I said, it wasn't the maddest thing was ever sent out there. Go onto YouTube and look up some of the mad stuff that's gone to Eurovision over the last 40 or 50 years and you'll, you'll see why I'm right about Dustin. 0818 96 96 96. But for now at least, Ireland remains locked out of heaven. Have you ever thought of selling your house yourself? As in, house for sale, apply within kind of thing. Caroline wants to do exactly that. Next. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel Every year we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make you Only on Cork's 96FM. So, Caroline, you've got a family home up for sale in East Cork. Uh, you want to sell it yourself. Morning. Good morning, PJ. I'd love to um, sell my house, genuinely. To It's a four-bedroom semi, um, fine big garden, nothing potentially behind as there's a sports field behind. And, uh, yeah, I genuinely want to just sell up. And um, I think it's time for me. I'm in a four-bedroom house on my own, and um, it's time for a change. You're in Middleton? I'm in Middleton. Five minutes from the bus, eight minutes from the train, uh, two or three minutes from Market Green, near the schools, not on the main road. You can slip onto the main road, city, and work. And it's, I, I just feel it. I feel the back garden actually, the patio and the back garden. The patio is an outside room in the summer, and the back garden is huge for kids. So, why don't you just go off down to an auctioneer's office and start the ball rolling? I'd rather not go through there and give them the one and a half, two percent. I prefer that I get maybe one percent and the buyer gets one percent. You know, or I get I get to negotiate the price myself because I have a fair idea what the property is worth. Have you had it valued? Yes, and I've had uh, I've put a lot of work into it, and there's a lot of tender love and care here. Yeah. You know, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago. Did this down in Kerry, um, so it can be done. Have you legal advice to hand? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I have, and I respect because I have reared my children here. I have uh, reared children in our previous house in Washford. I understand that engineers have to come in, look at structure, look at everything, Hmm. and that has to be done. But it can be done, and I 100% believe, you know what, we have to take charge of our own lives now and just blow out the middlemen, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing to stop you doing it once you have no. legal advice to hand. Oh, absolutely. You, you have all of that. My solicitor goes to the buyer's solicitor and everything is legal. There's, like, there's no issue there. 
absolutely none. I have the diesel house, it's mine, bought, paid and paid for. <laughs> I know the feeling, I know the feeling. Um, but yeah, so it's my house, it's straight, straight uh, purchase. And you think it would be know? perfect for a young family? Oh, absolutely. I would love to see a young family coming in here. Off the Jewel Carriageway, take a left and you're down here and that's it. And you're you know? high, you're hightailing it to Spain? <laughs> I'm hightailing it, yes. For now, um, my parents are going to put up with me just temporarily until they get that, all that sorted. And bless them, they're in their 80s. And, as I have you know, we might as well close the GAA and um, let's uh, go free to air for everybody. I saw that. You, you had you had thoughts on, on, on the hurling. Have you we done this? We mention names. <laughs> have you done this before, with regard? I, I, yes, in Waterford, the house went up by... Um, we we ended up two thousand euro better off. Oh my God, that was in ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight. Right. So t- that was that was quite a bit of money at that that point, you know. No, are are you willing to get into a bidding war here, or is the house going Absolutely. to be sold? To, to, oh right, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy out to go. Um, I I have an idea what I expect myself. Right. Um, but um, if it goes to a bidding war, fair enough. If, if someone if someone goes to you and with with your straight up asking price, um, do you know what, PJ? I haven't actually. I I I have a baseline, but I haven't gone above it. I but I probably would have to go higher. But if somebody comes to me with that money, uh, yes, absolutely, it's done deal. If I give you a price privately, and I get that, absolutely, I I commit. To, I shake on it if I if your hand was here. Job done. Job done. All right. Four yeah. bedroom house, minutes from the bus, minutes from the train. Train, yeah. Sounds perfect for a young family. If anybody yeah. does contact us, we will be in touch with you. We'll put them in touch with you. In I fact, like it, yeah. there was a young chap on to me a couple of months ago who's on his way home or trying to get home from America after 27 years and, looking, and looking to buy in East Cork. There you go. You'd never know. You'd never know. There might be some magic worked here. Have a good day, Caroline. And listen, if you have his number, give him a shout and put him in touch with me. And you have a good day too, PJ. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Caroline, yeah. Thank you. Uh, cheers. 0818-96-96-96. Oh, reminded to you, Premier League Live is back this Saturday at 96mm.ie with Trevor Welsh, powered by TalkSport, as always. Live coverage of Leeds against Newcastle at 12.30, Man United versus Wolves at 3. Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Now, yesterday I was talking about bottles. And, um, well, talking about, yeah, recycling and, and plastic and, and, and all of that. Um, and I said that I go through rather a lot of bottled water, which I do. Um, and I didn't exactly go down too well with some people. Dermot, you being one of them. Good morning. Hi, this is Dermot, yes. Yes, sir. What would yeah. you like to say? I'd like to warn people that all plastic bottles uh, leach a toxin. And um, that's particularly bad for young people. Um, 
as they're growing up, as they'll absorb more of these toxins. The toxins are um, the, um, it's a leaching of the plastic. I know what it is, yeah, I know what it is. I read about it many years ago. It's why you don't leave, for example, a bottle of water in the back of the car that's half empty and then, and then drink it the following week. Yes, yes, but this is basically what it is. Is it's a, a mimicky, a mimicker of uh, estrogen. Now, both males and females uh, have combinations of estrogen and testosterone. I don't, I don't know what you're, where you're going with this now. So I hope you do. Go on. Oh yeah. Well, this is the problem. This plastic mimics the um, estrogen. So as a result, it, uh, it, co- when it accumulates in um, the sexual organs, such as the breasts and uh, the testicles. What, from plastic bottles? How come I've never heard this before now? Because the plastic industry wants you not to know about it. Um, because they could have chosen, oh, 20 different types of other plastics, which would not have caused this problem but they really wanted to make sure you got the problem. So they made sure they chose the plastic that was the most toxic to use. Uh, yeah, Fer- Fergal is telling me now it's a thing called BPA. Uh, is yes, that it? That's, yeah. yeah, that's part of it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. okay. And it, it, it triggers things like uh, young girls will mature much earlier than they should because it's mimicking um, estro, women's organs, uh, fluid stuff will make speed up the age of maturity and it speeds up all sorts of other problems, particularly for women, but also for men. I uh, assume this is not from just buying a bottle of water, opening it and drinking it, no? No, the stuff leaches all the time. From the moment the plastic is made and it's in contact with liquids, uh, it will start to leach. Now, it will leach faster than sunlight. It affect the taste of of the product inside. No, um, plastics are pretty tasteless. Um, all fish in the ocean now are full of um, uh, microplastics. Well, well, to be fair, the point you're making is, is, is well, we've always been told not to reuse them. Use them once, throw them away, recycle them. Because, and, and the benefit of that I'm seeing of late, and this is the point I was hoping to raise with you. I was in, and I'm mm-hmm. using Tesco's because it's where I was. I was down in mm-hmm. Tesco's last week getting a few bits and pieces and I noticed plant pots and, and planters and stuff and this made from your recycled bottles. So recycling is working, surely? Not in my opinion. Um, the general um, problem with recycling is um, they're heating up the plastic and that quite often puts fumes into the air. Um, a better method is to take plastic, put it in a pressure cooker... Pre- uh, at the right temperature and the right pressures, sure. it will turn back into oil, which it was made from. And then you can put that oil into the car engine or the particularly right. diesel engines, but you can convert it over to yeah, petrol. No, I, I must say I was quite impressed to see, and it's my missus is the gardener in, in our house, and, and I bought a few of these things, and they're as solid as a rock. They last forever, and they're from mm-hmm. recycled plastic bottles, and I, I can't see the problem with that. Well, um, you, you haven't been involved in melting plastic and to know uh, uh, the problem of dioxins. You see, oh, no, no, the, dioxins are now, to be fair, have been around a bit, you know. Well, no, no, no. if you could find the most, um, more dangerous than uranium, uh, radioactive uranium, is dioxins. That big explosion. Yeah, no, no, I'm aware of that. I've, I've covered yeah. dioxins over the years. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it would be far better. Well, when you uh, to turn the plastics into diesel oil, 
um, or some sort of suitable oil for the oil industry nice. and uh, use it direct. Approximately, uh, if you put a kilo of plastic into suitable pressure cookers and uh, you, you heat it up, so you get about 700 grams of fuel. Um, on a large scale, it's very worthwhile. Right, so um, I put my, put, put, melt my our pressure cooker, my plastic bottles, and put them into the back of the car? <laughs> well, I wouldn't re- recommend people, um, normal Joes, doing it because if you do it wrong, you will create dioxin. Yeah. But yeah. you can see lots of videos of people in the third world uh, yeah. converting the plastic into um, oil okay. and. Uh, with you know big drums and things like that backyard operations Cer- certainly though it's, it's food for thought what you say the, the thing about not using a bottle of something that's been left in the back of the car that is as old as time itself and and worth it, worthy always of reminding ourselves of it uh, particularly someone like me who goes through a lot of uh, bottled water not to use one that you've left in the car um, and particularly not if it's warmed up inside in the car because plastic can as Dermot says leech uh, I I like stuff that make made from recycled plastic I was putting on a pair of shorts last week for the first time and I, I read the label on it and it said the labeling on all of this particular brand of clothing now was made from recycled plastic bottles but you see you can't win with some people I suppose 0818 96 96 96 so we'd love another national song contest and all the songs should be played on local radio before the contest not just heard on the night of the national final well there's a thing many countries it would be said many countries insist that their Eurovision song song their Eurovision entry is playlisted on particularly national radio, but a lot of their any kind of radio that receives any support, there would be a thing across like Sweden certainly would playlist their national song. Um, many other countries, Switzerland would playlist their national song. Um, Spain would playlist their national song. Always, um, it's a long time since the Irish national song got playlisted. Get the occasional play but not always playlisted. And, and that's true. And, and I know that a lot of the musical artists that take part um, that I've spoken to over the years and people that I know in the music industry uh, don't like that, that the national song doesn't necessarily get radio play. So therefore no one gets to know it. And that's that's a fair point, it has to be said. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are mine. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Ports 96FM. Don't get me wrong. I never said it was a good idea to send Dustin back when Dustin was sent. The song was crap, even though he was funny. And we certainly didn't deserve to win that year when we when we sent it out and yes it was a bit of a, a piss take but it was a comedy act and 
trust me, if I just look back over the years, there's been plenty worse than than Dustin. Um, 0818969696. People also say, well, what about Jedward? Well, Jedward, Jedward qualified. Not once, but twice. So knock Jedward all you want. But when we sent Jedward out there, they qualified. Not once, but twice. And I think they finished in the top 10 or the top 5 even. I'd have to look it up. It didn't... I'm not too sure it discredited anything, though, last night. But look, everyone's entitled to their view. I think we tend to... We tend to look at stuff like Dustin when we do it and we cringe. But if another country does it, we laugh. I, I, that's, I've always kind of held that view. 0818 96 96 96. Kate says, and this is about Caroline's call, my parents sold their house themselves and it all worked out. And I know people who went one better. They went on a house swap site and did a swap with a cash adjustment. Thanks, Kate. Just this, some, this forum, they're calling it, this meeting to do with grocery prices and the, the cost of goods in retail and all of that. I just did a little bit of research uh, overnight and this morning with regard to it. Uh, the papers are saying this morning that the government will give the retailers six weeks to do something about prices uh, and threaten if they don't do it, to do it themselves. Just, I consulted with a, a good buddy of mine who's spent his entire working life in retail, uh, in management and semi-management and project management level spend his entire life working in retail and he said to me look this forum they're doing is really just a distraction because the problem for a lot of us it isn't on the shop floor it isn't really on on the shop floor a lot of small independent retailers are really struggling now because their profit margins are tiny and even some big shops, some big super values, for example, have been, big centres have been taken over from the franchisee by Musgraves because they were just going to go under. So the, the problem isn't on the shop floor. The problem is in the supply chain, up and throughout the supply chain. So if someone is coining it on everyday goods, it's not the ordinary, local, humble shopkeeper. There's one argument to be made. The other one... And I've discussed it myself, and I'm, I'm guilty of having discussed this without possibly reading it correctly. Wouldn't be the first time in my life I've done it, but I'm going to confess to it this morning. Um, that and, and the next time a politician starts shouting about it, I will keep this piece of paper to hand. I went into the statute book this morning and I had a read of the Consumer Protection Act 2007. Now, reading bits of statute and bills of state and legislation, it's not the most exciting work in the world. But I went poking around this morning and 2007, the Consumer Protection Act, this is the bit of law that gives the government the power to intervene on the price of groceries, staples, eggs, milk, bread, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all. Labour Party have been calling for them to use it. Sinn Féin calling for them to use it. It was Fianna Fáil brought it in back in 2007. I thought, until I went looking at it, uh, my fault entirely, that it was more powerful than it actually is until I asked my pal in retail. He said, have a look at the Act. Have a look at the Act. Are you reading it properly? And Section 61 is where this comes in. I don't want to bore you, but just 
my job here is to try to inform people as best I possibly can. Section 61 and 62 of this 2007 Act, they are what we're talking about here in terms of fixing or capping prices. And prices of certain goods, this is Section 61, if the government is of the opinion that abnormal circumstances prevail, it may order, by emergency order, declare that a state of emergency affects the supply of a product. So the government would have to declare there's a state of emergency in the provision of milk or bread or eggs or cheese or anything like that. So it would have to declare there's a state of emergency in the production and supply of we'll use milk and bread as as a prime example. So first of all, it would have to state that. And then it can bring in an emergency order. This is section 62. It may fix the maximum price at which the product may be supplied by a trader to consumers. In other words, it can cap the price of a litre of milk. It has to, first of all, declare that there's an emergency. Openly declare that there's an emergency. Would they do that? <laughs> Can't see them doing it, can you? They haven't done it on housing. There was many other things they haven't done. They did it on COVID. And we saw what they could do when they had declared a public health emergency with COVID. They'd have to declare it an actual emergency to start capping prices of milk and bread and eggs and stuff like that. It can only be imposed for a certain period of time. It has to be given a specific expiry date. It also has to apply only to a certain class or type of the product. So again, bring milk here or bread. So it could apply to white and brown sliced pans. It could apply to the standard litre of ordinary milk. It has to apply to specific products for a specific time and an emergency has to be declared. So it ain't as easy as it sounds. And I'm guilty here always of saying I don't believe when someone says it's not as simple as that. Unfortunately, read the legislation properly and it is not as simple as that. Just thought I'd bring it to you. And the next time I have a politician on about it, I wonder, do they know Section 61 and 62? The power is there, but it's very limited. 0818-969696. Talked a lot on this programme about ADHD and in particular about how people are discovering later in life that they have or they may have ADHD and how it affects their life. And many, many people learn that they have ADHD and it answers many questions for them about their lives. There's an event coming up on the 17th of May at St. Peter's on North Main Street, organised by ADHD Ireland. Their guest speaker is uh, Keith Walsh, broadcaster and podcaster. Um, He was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 49. Also speaking will be a journalist that I know, God, I think we were in college together, Mike McGrath, Brian, and coach, uh, an ADHD coach, uh, Aileen Kennedy. And it's for anybody who thinks they may be affected by ADHD uh, in their adult life and thinks that if they, or if you think a loved one might be affected by ADHD. Aileen, you were diagnosed uh, when you were 32. And I think it's fair to say that when you got your diagnosis, it answered a lot of questions for you. Good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. Thank you so much for uh, having me on today. Pleasure. That's a really good way of putting it. I answered so many questions and it created new questions as well. Um, And as you said, I was officially diagnosed when I was 32 um, and I'd been kind of looking into it for about two years before that. Um, And there was so many things that I didn't understand about myself. And I I really had tried hard to kind of... um, I just tried really hard at everything and it never seemed to work. Like nothing ever seemed to work for me. Uh, so I think when I actually finally figured it out and got the official diagnosis, it, it like it sounds silly, but it really did change my entire life. Uh, and so I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Was it that you looked around you at various points in your life, school, work, whatever, and said, I'm different, but I don't know how? Yeah, so exactly. It was... It was always obvious. I always felt different. But again, I, I didn't really know what it was or how I was different. But I just knew that uh, I felt different. I Even people around me, you know, they kind of treated me like I was a bit different. And, and the ironic thing is I desperately didn't want to be different. I desperately wanted to fit in and just to kind of go under the radar um, and just understand the social rules and understand the things that... Um, I, I and I I think again it's like another thing of I didn't really understand what I didn't understand I just knew that I didn't understand I know, <laughs> if that makes I know. sense. What what kind of problems had you? Was it an attention problem? Was it difficult in controlling the ordinary things of life? Is that what it was? Totally, totally. So it was um, in school. You know, I would I'd be in the classes and I, I wouldn't actually understand or I wouldn't remember what was going on if we had an exam or we had homework and I would just somehow um, not pick up on it and everyone else would seem to have gotten the memo and I just wouldn't um, and I again you know I, I I really put it down to I thought it was stupid or something like that I, I didn't realize that I actually had the attention problems until I found out about ADHD um, just when I was about 30 like 29 30 and I found out about it I was like oh my god there's actually an attention issue here it's not me being stupid or um anything like that so I I always put my um I suppose lack of organization and lack of attention I put that down to being um a musician or from a musical family and just a little bit quirky you know Uh, and I, I didn't realize that attention issues were actually a thing in itself I thought I thought they were a symptom of maybe struggling with my mental health because of um, the struggles that I've had, you know. So there had been a bit of substance use, I think, at one point or other. Oh, yeah, at many points, uh, lots and lots of points. Um, yeah, so I think for me, you know, when I discovered uh, drinking and smoking and all of those uh, fun things when I was a teenager, it just it kind of opened up a new world for me. Um, and I, you know, I'm a very anxious person, like I've, that's just who I am, big, huge part of who, who I am. And when I drank and I smoked and everything, it, it, it helped me to uh, to fit in and to be expressive and, and um, just be a bit wild and a bit weird. And, and that was acceptable, you know. So it really gave me this chance to connect with other people. And, um, yeah, you know, and I would, my anxiety would disappear, basically. But you knew it wasn't really the right thing to be doing you were kind of self-medicating did you know it all along that you were kind of self-medicating you know what it's it's really interesting PJ because whenever 
and like people would identify me as the party musician girl and that's kind of who I lived as for years but I always always there was always this little voice in my head or this gut feeling of like this isn't the right thing for me like I'm not actually this isn't fulfilling me in a certain way and there's just something about this that doesn't feel right uh so it was you know I absolutely would see it as a coping mechanism for sure how did you go about looking further to find out what was going on here you thought I think you thought you were autistic did you for a while yeah like I mean I'm not officially diagnosed autistic but that was kind of um something that led me to to speak to my psychiatrist because all through my 20s you know I was on different medications going to different doctors and and therapists because I just struggled so much and I again I didn't understand why and I had terrible depressive issues and and again, you know, the anxiety and it stopped me from doing things. And um, and I just, I and like, I think the interesting thing for me is like, you know, you always hear if you're struggling, you need to talk to someone or you need to seek help. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I actually did seek help. Um, and it was just, it was never kind of the whole picture. So when I uh, kind of looked into autism and I was like, oh my God, this sounds really relatable. And I brought it to my psychiatrist. And then she was the one who said, oh, actually, maybe maybe there's ADHD here. And I was like really shocked because I hadn't heard that since I was in primary school. And that was for the naughty little boys running around the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, sure. This is just another old label now or this is another kind of diagnosis that is not going to fit. And then I started looking into it and lo and behold, things started falling into place. And yeah, it led me to get my diagnosis officially then two years later. Was that an emotional moment, Aileen? Absolutely. It was overwhelming. It was such a... It was actually in the ADHD and the neurodiversion community, um, which there is there's such a, a massive community now of us um, with similar stories. There's this process that we call uh, the grief process of finding out about your ADHD. Um, and there's so many emotions that go along with that. And I mean, if you have ADHD, you are going to be more than likely a very emotional person um and I cried for literally a week after I got the official diagnosis even though I was insanely relieved I was so relieved I was so grateful for all of these answers and and it was very validating it still led to this kind of loss and grief of like what could have been yeah I've heard that point made before so here you are at 32 finally knowing what it is and were you thinking, Christ, I, if I'd known this five years ago, ten years ago, life might have been different? Exactly. And that was that was the whole feeling. And that was, um, you know, a very odd kind of life flashing before your eyes kind of a thing. It was like, oh, my God, you know, this. And it explains so much. And then you feel this sort of anger with, um, you know, yourself and, and anger for looking for help. And maybe it wasn't the right help. Uh, but then, you know, I have to say that it turns around and I've I've managed certainly to turn it around into nothing but, um, not nothing but, but mm. mostly very positive emotion. And I'm so, so proud of having ADHD. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously speaking to you now about it. So I'm immensely proud of that. And I'm actually grateful for um, the journey that I have gone on because it's actually made me appreciate it. Something I note, you're yet another, to use the modern word, creative that has discovered themselves to have ADHD, musicians, artists, poets, writers. It, it seems to be very common in the creative community. 
Absolutely. It, it is just so, so common. And I think it's it's wonderful because so many of my um, friends I've had for years, you know, we played music together. We knew each other from um, from being musicians and, and creative um, people. You know, a lot of them have been diagnosed as adults and, and finding out about it. So it's uh, there's a, a doctor in America. He has ADHD himself and he says that what is uh, creativity but impulsivity gone right? And I just think that is, you know, oh, I like very that. much an ode to, yeah, to ADHD brains. Yeah. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I think the only shame around ADHD is actually denying it and denying that it exists and rejecting who you are um, because there's nothing wrong with you. It's it's an incredible um it's just a part of, you know, people are, a lot of neurodivergent people are out there. Uh, and it's, I'm incredibly proud of it. And I'm so proud of all the neurodivergent people that I know. Um, and, and I work as an ADHD coach. And I, of course, all of my clients are exclusively neurodivergent and ADHD. And I just, I'm blown away by how incredible they are. And I think the way we struggle is probably, you know, that's something to be acknowledged too. But uh, it is something to be proud of when you can acknowledge it. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Oh, you too, PJ. Thank you so much. Cheers, cheers, Eileen. That event is on the 17th of May. Uh, that's this night, week, at half past seven in St. Peter's on North Main Street. ADHD Ireland is where you'll find more information. 0818 96 96 96. Staying with Eurovision. I think we're wasting our time and effort now. We'd be better off creating our own song contest and marketing it like the Rose of Tralee to make it a global event. Us Irish like singers, not tech wizardry. We'd really make a thing of it and it would take off because I think places like America, Africa and Australia prefer songs too. Yeah, we, we did have a couple of them. We had one called the Castle Bar International Song Contest which ran... For many years, and they used to get entries from, now they were mostly Irish, but they would get entries from all over the world. And, yeah, I'm not too sure, though. I, 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 I couldn't countenance the idea of us walking away from Eurovision just because we don't qualify for a few years. 0818 96 96 96. We consistently get <clears throat> people sending us in receipts, and you read them on social media, and you see people posting about the price of food, the price of going out to eat. Um, there's a chef called J.P. McMahon has a couple of top restaurants in the west of Ireland. And he has been accusing the media of price shaming and, and saying it's ridiculous. And he's asking the question, why do we feel we all know the price of food in this country? And he argues vehemently that we're not being overcharged and we're not being gouged. Everybody has a story about how they feel they've been gouged but J.P. McMahon reckons that we're not being gouged and that there's many other things to be taken into account. Now in front of me I have a, a photocopy also of a receipt. This was on the I think East Cork board on Facebook where tea and toast two teas at 3.20 a cup Awa. A cup of tea, three twenty. Two teas at three twenty a cup came to six forty, and four slices of toast. Toast now, sliced bread over sliced pan into a toaster. Click, click, pop. Six quid. 
slice of toast, one fifty came to a total of twelve forty for tea and toast. Now, if that's not taking the Mickey, I don't know what is. Got to look into this next. And by the way, if you have any examples of your own of stuff that you've come up against or come up that surprised you. Let me know at 0818-969696-083-396-9696. Now, what would you expect to pay for a toasted sandwich? Toasted sandwich, fistful of chips and a coffee. Uh, I'd be satisfied with anything under toasted, co- toasted sandwich, handful of chips, cup of coffee, decent coffee. I'd be satisfied with anything under about 12 quid for that. Um, but then... Am I being gouged if I am paying 12 quid? I don't know. We'll discuss it next. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Cook. Oh, it's 96 FM. So, JP uh, McMahon is the owner and chef at uh, Annie R and Cava Bodega in Galway. No, I don't know them either and I've never been there either. But let's go through the kind of things he's been saying. He said the energy crisis is in full swing. Energy have costs have trebled, if not quadrupled. There's wage inflation due to COVID and increase in the minimum wage. That has forced restaurants to raise their prices. He says the greatest insult to those in the food industry is the accusation of price gouging and profiteering. He said restaurants are accused of ripping the customer off. It doesn't make sense. He said the return on... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Investment in food in Ireland is next to nothing, which is why many restaurants close or fail to make a profit. He insists it's all about, I'm summarising here furiously, it's minimum wage, paid sick days, and energy, and VAT, and all this. 
He also asks the question, is it not the role of business to make a profit? Is that not a problem? Um, And he summarises by saying, I've worked in the restaurant industry since I was 15. I've owned and run restaurants for 15 years now. I understand the difficulties, the trials and the tribulations, but I am not in this industry to make a quick profit or to gouge Customers. That's his defence. As I say, I don't know either of his restaurants. One restaurant I do know. Uh, I'd be a regular there. I've been there many, many times and will be there many times again. Is Trevo's uh, Main Street in Killarney. Paul, good morning. Hey, PJ, how are you? By, by, I'm very well, sir. By my observation, you haven't jacked your prices up too high, have you? Uh, no, I mean, we certainly have had to increase them. Um, but, I mean, I work very simply on a, on a percentage model. So I, I scrutinize all my costs. I do the best I can to keep my costs down as low as I can. And I apply the percentage formula to it. And that means I make my uh, profit that I require to keep the business functioning. But there's no doubt about it that uh, JP isn't a million miles off what he's saying. There's There's quite a lot of of um, factors that have now caused prices to literally skyrocket. So, uh, and nobody wants to do it. I certainly, not, I wouldn't ever price gouge because I'm a businessman and I put myself in as the customer. So if I was to see 50 euro for a, for a toasty, I'd say, nah, they're kind of having a, having a laugh there and I don't go in. But I mean, pricing uh, has certainly skyrocketed in the last um, two to three years for, for a couple of, couple of different reasons. What would the what would those would you agree with him on energy, for example? Well, I agree with him that energy has gone through the roof. However, it's not the energy that's gone through the roof uh, that's the problem. It's a complete useless and inept energy regulator that we have because energy has completely tumbled in the last two or three months and they've done nothing and everybody is still tied in 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 fixed rates for an example i won't name the provider i use but my contract was coming out and i was very very lucky last year i was paying 18 cent before everything all of a sudden changed and i went up to 36 cent a unit for, for electricity I know people who were paying 85 cent a unit and got caught in a fixed contract because they didn't know if it was still going to keep going up or up or up. And now when it came to my renewal, which happened about three weeks ago, my provider offered me, wait till you hear this, a variable rate of 75 cent a unit or a fixed rate of 28 cent a unit, meaning they no more wanted me to go on to a variable rate because they knew the price was going to topple, which forced me into another fixed rate for another six to 12 months. And I know in two, three months that that's all of a sudden going to come down, probably about, you know, 22, 20 cent if, if everything goes, goes you, You'd hope, Paul, but we're being told that all of these prices are locked in because we hedge so far in advance here. Yeah, but I mean, there's only so much we hedge. It's amazing how when prices go up, all of a sudden they go up Literally the day after. So the cost price in the garage, we're told, oh, geez, we have to we have to put it up straight away. Well, what happened to the 12 months that you hedged that before, lads, when you bought it in at a cheap price? So they're talking nonsense. So if anyone's price gouging, trust me, it's not the small bar, the small restaurant, the small corner shop. It's the big boys at the top that are just laughing at us every single day. And our, like our regulator hasn't been brought to task. And I have they even had a conversation with these guys. What happened to the windfall tax that we were going to be told? I'd love to have my energy prices half again so that I could turn around and take probably six to seven percent off my prices of course i would mm. but so it works for them when they say oh no we can't drop it because we bought for it we hedged for the last 12 months but did you not hedge for the 12 months previously to when it went up yeah simple question but nobody will ask them that yeah and in terms of the cost of supplies so your meat your veg your fish yeah the price at which you Sky buy market. those things in 
yeah, 40% up would be an average across the board. So I'm now paying, this is frightening, I'm now paying for organic salmon. It's not wild salmon, it's organic salmon. I am now paying more for that per kilo than I am for a strip loin of beef. Who'd have thought that? Crazy. A simple thing, every single day, I am getting an email in from a supplier for one, if not up to five, their products have gone up. Now, a Paul, I know you. I know you. I know. Yeah. I know what you offer, and I know that you take yeah. great pride in buying as much as you can within fifty miles of your restaurant. Correct. Absolutely, hundred percent. Right. So, yeah. what's why is it going up so much if it's only down the road you're buying it from? Well, yeah, no, it's simple because so so the price say that I of my electricity that's gone up is for my say my my fish supplier the price of diesel has gone up for the fish uh, the fishermen going out or the fisher dem as Sam Smith would say so for them to go out and go don't, fishing Paul, don't. so all of a sudden that huh, we, don't that's go there lad <laughs> so so that's that's another, so their costs have gone so it's a simple chain so everybody's costs have gone through the roof and I don't want to sound like a whiny winger restaurateur on, on on the phone because this is the same in every single business whether it be a hairdresser's painting decorator every single person who's in business at the moment costs have gone through the absolute roof and like as I said majority of businesses are not going to price gouge because I know if I did I'd be gone so I'm there 20 years and people know obviously we're not price gouging some but people it's, it's have some, of, some people have called their prices by by reducing their hours yeah and, and and I mean like so so there's there's obviously there's ways of doing you either increase your your and I do a lot of consultancy for business where I say so you either got to compensate with your prices or you got to cut your costs and sometimes it's better to close uh, one day a week so you can reduce staff costs but then what are we doing now all of a sudden we've got staff that that aren't working and so so whatever way you do it it's going to hurt somebody and what's what's the answer what I say to everybody is do whatever it takes to trade in order so that money in is equal to, if not more, than money out. And it's as simple as that. So if you're not balancing the books, you're in trouble. So if I was to drop my prices, because I turn around and go, oh, God, that might be a bit too expensive for a steak there. If I've done my percentage model on it as to how much I need to charge for it, if I go under that price, there's a good chance I'm going under in 12 months' time as well. What about wages? I mean, there have been a number of adjustments in the minimum wage. Um, yeah. Are they difficult for you to sustain? What do you do? You, do you pay the minimum wage or above, Paul? So, so here's the thing. So, obviously, in in any business, there's wage structures. You'll have uh, one or two on minimum wage. You'll have one or two more on higher and on higher, depending on level of skill and so on and so forth. So, you get somebody in who's doing a, a three month summer, uh, no disrespect, but kitchen porters jobs. First title that came to my head. If they're in and they're probably going to start off on on a minimum wage, and as I turn around and go, this is the best kitchen porter I've ever had. I'm going to increase his wages. But the problem is, is every time that you knock up the minimum wage, that has a knock-on effect for the guy on the next level, the guy on the next level, and the guy on the next level. And that's where all of a sudden, when I was in hotels 25, 30 years ago, we were like we were coming in at a wage cost of anywhere between 19 to 21%. That was our wage cost for running the food and beverage side of the hotels. It's anywhere from 40 to 50% now. And again, no disrespect, and I don't want anybody to turn around because I have given other solutions as to how we can compensate it. But if you continuously push up the costs, i.e. your wage costs, unfortunately, that is going to continuously push up the selling price. 
And the government will always turn around and say, oh, we're, we're brilliant, we're giving everybody, and there's only 75,000 people on a minimum wage here in Ireland. We're giving everybody an extra 50 cent an hour, an extra 60 cent an hour. It is the biggest insult to anyone who's on a minimum wage because most of that is taken off them in tax. They could very easily turn around and reduce or abolish their universal social charge for anyone who's on the minimum wage. They can remove them completely from any tax bracket. They can turn around and incentivize the employer because I play I pay employers RSI on top of that as well. Mm. So they can turn around and say, listen, we'll cut that by a percentage and that will stimulate the economy. But they always turn around and say, no, no, charge more, charge more, increase, increase, increase. Of course, that's going to have a knock on effect to the selling price. It is getting to the point, though, where people are going, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not not doing this anymore. I'm going to cook at home and I'm going to eat at home and I'll buy my drink from the off license because it is getting too expensive to go out. Yeah, I mean, like simply put, dining out is a luxury. Always has, always will be. It's certainly not a necessity. So therefore, we're not the ones who are price gouging because you would never price gouge a luxury because you're just, people aren't just going to buy it. And we are heading in a direction and look, hopefully swings and roundabouts and obviously hopefully this economy starts turning around because we need to. I, I think we're in serious trouble. I think we're in the midst of a huge recession, even though our government won't admit to it. Hold on now there I a second, start- Paul. Hold on a second now. We're at pr- practically full employment. You can't fill a job. Yeah. How yeah. could we be on the verge of recession when we have practically full employment and you can't fill a job? We're, we're on the verge of a recession because everybody in the last six months, their disposable income is down probably about 500 euro a month. Between increase in petrol, between increase in, in, in mortgage rates, petrol's gone uh, down. between increase... Huh? Petrol's gone down dramatically recently, but it will go up again, I admit well, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but even though it's gone down, well, it'll go up because of the Green Party with their taxes they're bringing in. But it's, 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 it's come down, but it's still marginally higher than where we were. But electricity costs, so electricity costs are still, the average household is up about €200 Euro a month on, 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 their, on their electricity bills. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're not going all that into account, and people are doing kind of less. So everybody is seriously suffering at the moment. To me, that's the verge of a recession. Yeah. And you can see by the small businesses that are absolutely being decimated at the moment throughout rural Ireland and indeed in big towns and cities as well, that there's a footfall. We saw in the last week or two, 37% of our accommodation is gone. We, that's a whole other dis- discussion. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's gone. So businesses are absolutely being crucified. And we're only going to see one thing within the next six months. And the only reason why we haven't seen it yet is because they postponed the debt warehouse until another 12 months. But come October, November, December, people are just going to go, that's it, I'm out. I can't. Can't keep going. Hmm. You, 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 have, God I'm wrong. you have said for a long time that we are an anti-business economy. 100%. We're an, we're an anti-business and a pro-multis. And I understand that the multis play a vital role in the country. Hence, we've got a 10 billion surplus in corporation tax. They have an absolute huge role to play in the economy of this country. However, the small SME, the family-run business, is the backbone of this country because a multi will move to Poland, France, Africa, as soon as they can get a better deal. The corner shop will never move. The family business will never move. And we have absolutely destroyed it doesn't take a genius to figure out look around your own town your own village and the amount of vacant buildings that are there that were once a sweet shop were once a restaurant were once a small bar we have done everything in our power to prevent people so i'm in business 20 years now in in trevos there and and i now and i'm the most optimistic guy even though i give out an awful lot on twitter but i'm the most optimistic guy that i reckon you know pj i'm at the point and saying to myself what am i doing this for to get to the end of the year to turn around and go, I survived, 
I just about made it. I went another three months in the last 12 without paying myself a salary. I said, well, well, sure, I could go pack it all in and go work somewhere for 40 hours and I'd be much better off. And that's what we're forcing. I guarantee you there are so many people, family-run businesses, listening right now, saying, thinking the exact same thing. What the hell am I doing this for? I don't need the hassle anymore. There's a question, Paul. If it is, as you say, um, that you're not paying yourself a salary three months out of 12, you are an experienced chef. You could get yourself a good job. So why do you keep going? Do you, know, do you know what? It's simple. I love what I do. I love my team too much because if I go, that means they go. Uh, a lot of them are with me since day one. A lot of them are with me five, six, ten years. And I will do everything I can. That's why I give out so much. That's why I will do everything I can to make sure that their job is safe and that they've got a job for the next 12 months and the 12 months after that and the 12 months after that. So so I'm a fighter. I, I'm a firm believer. Look, that's quitting is walking away from it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never quit once in my life. So I do it because I have so many obligations to so many different people. But mm-hmm. there, will, there will come a point, if this keeps going the way it's going, there will come a point where I'll turn around and go, ah, look, what, seriously now, I mean, I'm, I'm missing out on way too much in life to, you know, to, to keep doing this. And I've, I've spoken to so many businesses in, in the last three years, whatever, since, since 2020, and so many of them have packed it in. There may be a few years on top of me, and they just turn around and they go, look, you know what, I'm at that point don't need this hassle anymore. I'm gone. And we've lost so many great businesses. And is, is this why, lastly, Paul, is this why we see so many chains moving in, big name chains moving in, taking over what used to be small family restaurant like, say, Trevo's or here in Cork, any other one you care to name? That's why, because they can hack it. The small guy can't. So so look at what's going on with the supermarkets now at the moment. When, when we got these fabulous chains coming into the country, I said, you cannot charge those prices and continuously make a profit unless you're being offset it against could be uh, tax of VAT, employers or si or whatever. And what they were doing was they could take that hit for three, five, 10, 20 years if they had to, as long as they eventually got rid of the small guy. So all of a sudden your small corner shop who was only buying in six loaves of bread every day because it was the same six families who came in and bought them, turned around and said, it's actually double the price that was being charged in the supermarket. I can't do this anymore. So they packed it all in. Now we're seeing prices that have gone up through the roof in these big supermarkets. So what did they do? They eliminated the small guy, the small competition. So in answer to your question, that's exactly what's going to happen in the restaurant industry. When we get rid of all these small businesses, the big boys move in and go, thanks very much, we'll take it from here, lads. And come back to me lastly, Paul, with the the statement I read from JP McMahon's article was, he said, the greatest insult to those in the food industry is the accusation of price gouging and profiteering. 30 seconds, sir, no more. Uh, yeah, no, simply put, as I said, I'm certainly not going to price gouge because I just I wouldn't be in business. And JP, as I said from the start, he's not a million miles off the mark. Yes, of course, we're in business to make money. We have to make money in order to stay open. But most places, especially now, are not taking the mickey with the price they're charging because they'd be gone. Paul, thank you as always. That's Paul Trevo from Trevo's Restaurant in Killarney. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. The one second song, it's been wrecking heads all over Cork for weeks now. It's frustrating. It's doing my head in. It's infuriating. <laughs> and someone needs to put a stop to it. Does this song even exist? <laughs> Tune into the Big Drive Home for your chance to play every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home with Nyan Motors, your number one for Kia in Cork. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818-969696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM.
Um, so do you agree with Paul? Paul maintains that his own margins are very hard to maintain. He keeps a percentage. He decides a percentage for everything he sells. Keeping that percentage keeps him open, keeps him in business, keeps his staff paid and his bills paid. But that margin is harder to keep because of the cost of supplies and the cost of all that. Your examples of what you're paying are also very welcome. That's a one that I must say, I can't explain how you justify two cups of tea and four slices of toast, how you justify 12.40 for that, even if you have a service charge in it, but still. We'll come back to it. 0818 96 96 96. Send me your examples at 083 396 96 96. Have a little rant by voice note on the same number if you want to do it. Down in West Cork, near Allihees, there's this tiny little road. Be very careful if you are searching down there and using Google Maps. Like if you're going down to West Cork this summer and you're not familiar with the area around Allihees, one of the most beautiful places on Christ Earth, but if you're not familiar, you could end up having to get towed off a very, very tiny little bridge. Richie Hodges is a photographer and journalist based down there as a website called Baloo's. Richie, some great pictures on your website of people being dragged off this tiny bridge. It's only a dirt track and people standing up on it all the time. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, indeed. I was a little bit embarrassed for the drivers, so I didn't get too close with the pictures and I did actually tell them I was taking them. Yeah, it happens all the time. It does, and I'm glad to be on your show because there's four or five different examples of the same thing happening for anyone coming towards Allies, which is, as you said, one of the most beautiful places in West Cork. In the world, So hopefully, yeah. yeah, possibly in the world, yeah. I've been to a few places in the world, and I'd, I'd almost agree with that. Um, yeah, I listened, I, I emailed Google about 11 months ago, and they just didn't get back to me, really, apart from I just saw in history. There wasn't enough proof to prove the road was no good. So if I'm renting Many times, a house down there, yeah. if I take an Airbnb or whatever I take, and I'm going down for the weekend, I've not been down there, I pop it into Google Maps on my phone, Google Maps is likely to bring me up one of these little roads. Yeah, well, actually, there's an example on Baloos.com of, of me asking from Castletown Bear, which is the big town 12 miles away to alleys, and three routes are suggested... Two of them are actually impossible to do in anything other than a four-wheel drive Jeep. <laughs> okay. And then this little one is, if you're, if you're driving anything bigger than a, a Nissan Micra, or, or in my case, a, a Dacia Sendero or something like that, you're just not going to get through. Uh, you might make it in a small car. As long as it's dry, you'd probably make it in a small car. But if, there's any, if it's been raining, which it does a lot down here, then you're probably going to get stuck. And you can't reverse back because you can't you can't turn. So you got to reverse back up yeah, this ditch. Well, yeah. I mean, the problem is the bit when you, once you get to the bridge, if you've got that far, it's too late. Like the, there's also the the you know outside of Google Maps making billions and not giving the service they're supposed to be giving them. A little bit of common sense would be handy. Like if you're getting using a GPS to take you somewhere and it takes you off a tarmac road, maybe you should start engaging a different system of uh, navigation, PJ. You can set up your navigators to use main roads only. This doesn't even have a number, this road. Uh, it, it actually does have a number. I don't know what it is. It's, it's locally known as the Company Scout because you may know that there used to be mines down here a few hundred years ago and, and the road was built to, to transport uh, ore from, from the mines to where they used to grade it. I see. But well, that would have been done in donkey and cart back then, wouldn't it? 
Oh, absolutely, Duncan Cart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this video on Baloo's shows a, a tractor reversing down and attaching onto the back of a delivery van. Delivery vans, you say, get caught there quite a lot. Yeah, I'd say we're into two a month at this stage. We've had a few camper vans. I know for a fact that a German guy in a big camper van burnt his clutch out. So we were, that's more than a thousand euros just for him alone to replace his clutch. Um, body work, bumpers being ripped off. I mean, the whole thing's just a, just a nightmare. Yeah, there was a little beach in Kerry where it used to happen too. I remember being down there. There's a, you go down to the beach, it's quite narrow. There's a turn, and if you right. don't make the turn, you are completely rammed tight. It seems to be similar there where it comes onto that little bridge. You'll get rammed very quickly. Yeah, I mean, the, the bridge, If you, anything that's got a long wheelbase will not make it around the bridge. I mean, I think the biggest vehicle I've ever been down there in is a Land Rover Discovery in the middle of winter when there's no gorse, and you can just make it round the the bend and that like Land Rover is only medium wheelbase, not long wheelbase. So that's, you know, that's as good as you'll get. Four wheel drive, not too big. You'll be okay. What might help would be if the county council were to put signs up saying, you know, difficult road yeah, or wouldn't, diff- wouldn't hmm? I tell you what, PJ, I mean, there's definitely thousands of euros worth of damage being done already. And I don't know how much a couple of signs would cost. Um, I'm listen. It's not really the council's fault. It's actually Google Maps' fault because Google Maps are the people sending people down there and they're not listening to people reporting that that's not a road. So Google Maps need a good kick up the behind, as I say. Tell me about the name Baloo's, (laughs) B-A-L-O-O-Z, finally. Where's that come from? Well, the name, PJ, is... I've done a fair bit of travelling and my kids grew up travelling through Asia um, and then the summers here and uh, we wanted to make a name and my eldest son who was about six or seven at the time said what about blue thinking of jungle book blue was taken so i bought blues instead and i've been using it ever since there's always an explanation and it's a good website i had a browse of it this morning some nice stuff there richie thank you richie hodges of the blues.com website based he is down there in alley be careful of that road if you're heading to west cork you'll get stuck. that one down in kerry is a beach and every single year, there's a picture goes up of a fellow that said, I'll make it down to the beach, I'll make it down to the... Oh, no. Yeah. 0818-96-96-96. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You may, you may feel... Only on Cork's 96FM. How many days is it now, PJ? How many days is it now? It's 14 days, 14 days to Radiothon. Tomorrow, two weeks, we start at 6 a.m. We're raising funds for Cork Cancer Services, and we need your help. Do a coffee break for us, get your change together into a box, put on your jersey for Radiothon Jersey Day on the Friday, that's 26th of May. Sign up now for a fundraising pack. Get on to us at 96fm.ie. We're so looking forward. Two weeks tomorrow, we'll be in the thick of it. The Giving for Living Radiothon 2023. Only on Cork's 96 FM.
a rescue doggy escaped his new owner okay so he was given up by a family they found him a new home yeah they couldn't keep him for whatever reason because he got to his new home and he was like I'm having none of this really he trekked 65 kilometers and went back to his old family what and arrived at the door but they didn't want so he knocked on the door scratched on the door they opened the door and they were like no we no, we got rid of he was like I'm back guys I'm back and they're like we, 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 didn't, we don't want you He's probably wagging his little tail. Reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> they kept dropping you no off. No matter how far they went, I walked back from Donegal once. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call 96 FM. All sorts of stuff still coming in to us on various topics of conversation. <laughs> They're still giving out yards to me about saying that I buy plastic bottles of water. You're not going to change my mind, quite frankly. Um, I do, and I make sure that they're recycled to the best of my ability. And I make sure that I buy, then, stuff that's made out of recycled bottles. So I'm bringing my own crap home again, as it were. EJ, did you get a bang on the head? Man, I love, I love messages to start like that. Did you get a bang on the head, man? You're still on the boat going through lots of plastic bottles. Now you're saying recycling is going to chart it out. WTF. To turn a plastic bottle into a pair of plastic jocks doesn't magically happen. It costs a lot of money. Best thing to do is stop using plastic in the first place. Send the money to, say, the Giving for Living Radiothon. Or choice of a million of other good causes. Handing three quid to a garage four-court shop for one litre of water should have a two euro tax included called idiot tax. People who continue to pay extortionate prices for things are the root cause of why the greedmongers are going from strength to strength and why the poor are getting poorer, says Noel. Well, I don't buy my water in a garage. Um, Shameless plug, I tend to buy it in Tesco. Tesco or Aldi, I buy my water in. And I recycle all my bottles. And I'm not going to apologise to anybody for doing that. If I, if I wasn't recycling my bottles and just throwing them to the side of the road, then I'd have some questions to answer. But I make sure all my bottles are recycled. They're properly squashed up and they're probably... I take the labels off them and they're probably... Even though you can now recycle the labels too. But it's amazing. Just a little throwaway... I mean, there's look, there's today's water bottle. Now, I will guess... I'll get two days out of that bottle of water. Sometimes I get a day. But then that, that bottle will be recycled. And if you come out to the back where my missus does all the gardening, you'll see that she buys, and I buy for her, these recycled. In fact, when I'm buying new plant pots, or when she's buying new plant pots, we look for stuff that's made from recycled plastic. We go through enough of the stuff. But anyway, you can't, please. Some people. 0818 96 96 96. The number that takes to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Have a listen to this. This was. I tuned in. I did watch it. I ended up with so much to do on Saturday that I didn't see a whole lot of uh, the coronation. Um, I just had a few bits and pieces. 
but I, I, I saw this this moment, this particular moment. I, I ran into the front room when this was playing and the pomp, like there's no one does pomp and ceremony. Nobody in the world does pomp and ceremony and circumstance quite like the British on a royal occasion. There you go now. Zadok the priest is what that's called. Zadok the priest. That's the coronation tune, and that's the choir of Westminster Abbey from that moment last Saturday. Now, while that was happening over there, Seamus Travers was, you were organising the coronation over here. <laughs> and you raised quite a nice little sum of money. Morning. Well, VJ, how are you getting on? Um... Come here, first of all, I want to say you definitely spent at least three hours watching out on Saturday. Come on. <laughs> I would have loved to, and I make no bones about it, but I just didn't. I had to get I do get a tire fixed for the wife, and then we discovered there was a leaky drain. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, do you know what it is, um, PJ? So basically we asked St. Patrick's Day, so we're a bit of an Irish bar in uh, Hoxton, and asked St. Patrick's Day we were kind of thinking what's up next and obviously the coronation was coming up and we were like, ah, oh, do we want to just do the same kind of like, you know, everyone staring at the screen, listening to what you were just playing there. And we were like, do you know what? We'll actually, we'll do, and obviously the, the play on words was too easy, like Cork coronation. And we said, we'd get in um, kind of like Cork comedians and musicians and just do, just basically a whole day. We had the coronation now, PJ, it was playing on the background. Mm. So if people like were interested in like the pageantry and all that, they could, of course, look at it. But what we were doing is at the same time outside, we had like comedians and um, and musicians, and, and yeah, and it was it was all cork based. So, yeah, Remind me again, where fun. where is your place, Seamus? Uh, it's in Shoreditch in London. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, Shoreditch would be uh, most people, I'd say, most of your listeners would know Shoreditch from London. Oh yeah. And we're about like a five minute walk from there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah so we, like, it was good. It was it, you're it right, was right in the heart, from, right yeah. in the heart of coronation territory. We well, it is the it is kind of the traditional East End, and we did have a couple of people come in like with like traditional kind of like I, I forget the name of what they are. They're actually a, an organisation, and they were dressed up to the bells, like they had everything on. <laughs> they actually looked pretty cool, to be fair. Like, but um, but yeah, no, we were like so. We, we, as I said, like a lot of our customers would be we'd have Irish customers, we'd have Aussies, Kiwis, we'd have English, you know. But even like. Even like our kind of like our Aussie customers and stuff, they were like those guys who came in with all the kind of like the pageantry and stuff. Uh, it, it, it was impressive, but they only stayed for a drink because um, they mm. could see that we were they could see we were setting up for Corker Nation. It all went a bit a bit mad. You went you started at twelve and continued until rather late. Who took part? So there was uh, so Ronan Leonard. Ronan Leonard would do he would do the circuit in Cork. Yeah, uh, he's from the city. Uh, there's there was Dennis Len, uh, there was Sive Peters, uh, Roger Sullivan, Peter Long was there, and then it was Peter Mullen and Kelly Manning as well singing. So yeah, we had a we had a good lineup. I mean, a lot of these people, PJ, they live in London. Uh, Ronan flew over for it, but um, but yeah, it was it was it was the weather was obviously shocking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. The weather wasn't great at all. Yeah, but it was, you know, we as I said, like we wanted to do, we, we definitely wanted to show the coronation. Do you know what I mean? Like we didn't want to be, you know, it was kind of in London. It was either people either went all in or, um, yeah. or kind of were like we're not showing it at all or whatever. And we were like, do you know, what, we'll just do something kind of, 
where where people can watch it in the background, but at the same time, like who was like like we were thinking like imagine like you spend a week at work, and then like you go into a pub on a Saturday, and not only is it on the screen, but then you've got like the the sound of it, and it's all like you know it's like being in church. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we're like, if we could get a bit of crack going in the background, and you know what, it, it worked. It was a nice mix. Yeah, yeah. What's your own background, Seamus? So, PJ, I came to Ireland when I was, I think I was 13, and so I went to school in West Cork in Clonakilty. Right. Uh, went to UCC then as well, and then after that, um, moved to London, and in London, myself and a fella from Ballinscarry, we opened up the pub then. Cool. Is, like, is the, what, what to, to look at BBC or Sky or wherever you were at the weekend, that this Coronation Day was, everybody was out garden partying and doing what they could in the crap weather that there were millions in the streets was it really that big a deal no i tell you what it is pj in london people are like this like there's obviously there's a lot of english people in london london's a very international city too people will go out if the weather's if, if the sun is shining um at the weekend you know you give you give londoners any excuse and they'll be in the parks uh, we didn't feel coming up to the week it was it felt subdued and then on the day of course it was raining and stuff like our place was very busy uh, but also, like, it did suit pubs because, to be honest, there wasn't many people out in the streets. Yeah. Maybe in certain areas, maybe down near the coronation, people who probably had travelled for it would, would kind of brave it out. But most ordinary people were just like, nah, we'll just go to the pub. Now, you did this for charity, for Pieta. What's the connection there? We, we did. you know what it was? Was um, I was talking to someone. We were like, we'll raise some money. And we were thinking of uh, Cork charities. And we were kind of thinking of, like, maybe the homeless charities and stuff. And then... Someone mentioned to me that um, Pieta was doing a darkness into light challenge yes. on the sixth of May. That's right. And I was like, I was like, right, okay, so we'll just we'll do it for Pieta. So very good. And you raised four hundred and ninety-seven pounds, and yep. you put another two hundred and fifty on top of it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's eight hundred. That's a thousand euro, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Probably pre-Brexit was a thousand euros. Probably nine hundred euros now. <laughs> Well, you That's brought up the story. all right. You brought up the B word. You brought up the B word, right? So I'm going to ask this question. I was listening to a discussion this morning on early morning radio about whether or not they're talking about their if the Labour Party got into power uh, and they had to use the Liberal Democrats to help them that they might put another referendum on the table. What do you think would happen there, Seamus? Do you think there'd be? Do you think there's ever a chance of another referendum? I'd be very doubtful of it, but you you never know. You, you you wouldn't have thought it would have been a referendum in the first place. So That's right. they could have, obviously you, there could be another one. There's, there's no there's no reason why they couldn't. I, it still seems unlikely, but yeah. at the same time, um, I, w- I wouldn't in politics. I wouldn't write anything off. Well, I was listening to it this morning, and I was saying to myself, you know, anyone who's listening in political leadership, take a lesson from David Cameron: never make a promise <laughs> you might have to keep. Correct. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, well done on that. And the next time I find myself in, in Shoreditch, I'll pop in for a scoop. Thank you, Seamus Travers from the Hoxton, Hoxton Howl. And did Corkination last Saturday. Yes, yes, you do know that tune. You do know it. You do, Of course you do. Right, that is Zadok the Priest, an old piece of classical music. But you do know it. Champions League music. In fact, I was thinking Saturday morning is someone going to throw a ball in at some stage.
0818969696. Back to restaurants next. Question 10. Who plays the penguin in the new HBO TV series? Throw a guess. Colin Farrell. For 2,000 euros. Man alive. Who plays the penguin in the new HBO TV series? You said Colin Farrell. The answer is Colin Farrell. You've just won 2,000 euros! Oh my god. Talk to Fiona in Spain in just a second about prices. Come back to that one that was on the East Cork Forum, though. This, for me, is the straw that would break any camel's back. Two cups of tea, priced at three twenty a cup, and four slices of toast, and according to the receipt, twelve forty six euro for four slices of toast. That's four slices of toast, one fifty per slice. Now, I know that you have to buy the bread and you have to toast the bread and all of that. But sliced pans, when you buy sliced pans for a cafe, you know, you're not exactly paying 150 each even for the sliced pans. There's a lot of profit being made there. And then uh, PJ Noreen says, I will never buy a pot of tea in a cafe or restaurant. A box of Barry's tea bags is about 360 to 380 with 80 tea bags in it. Like, what's the mark up there, says Noreen. Martin, I got green tea and toast yesterday. They asked me, did I want butter and jam? I said, of course I did. And they charged me for it. You hardly want toast with dry. It's almost like you don't know the full price when you order it. And then my wife was out and wanted apple tart. And she said, do you want cream with that? Said, of course I want cream with that. So they charged her 70 cents for a scoop of cream. And the apple pie wasn't cheap either says Martin, and loads of them coming in like that. Breakfast at Cork Airport, one sausage, one egg, one hash brown, coffee and two toast, €10.45. Two slices of toast, two twenty. That's one ten a slice. The problem with this, the Irish simply pay and eat anyway, rather than just walk away. 0818-96-96-96. I'm always talking about Spain and being on holidays and the costs. And there is a difference in running a business over there. There is a difference in minimum wage over there. But some of what you come across doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Fiona, where are you right now? Morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, I'm in Bayona in northwest Spain. Okay. Do you live there or are you just there for a visit? No, no, just here for a few months. Okay, very good. So give yeah. us an example of what you're paying. Okay, for example, um, yesterday morning, uh, two croissants, two Americanos, six euro twenty. Okay. Um, dinner on Saturday night, um, we had a bowl of Galician pardons, which is um, Galician 
peppers. Yeah, lovely. Um, a big bowl of squid, a big bowl of um, octopus and prawns. Lovely. And a bottle of Alberino wine, fifty-three eighty. Good lord. Good lord. Yeah, it's yeah, it's way cheaper to eat out. However, the cost of grocery shopping is far more expensive. Is it, Fiona? Except for fish, far more expensive, yes. This is yes. news to me now. So the cost of actually buying your, your groceries has gone up. Exactly. It is far more expensive to go to the supermarket, except to buy fish. Fish is very, very cheap. Mm-hmm. You buy a, a, a very large prawns, a kilo of prawns for 10 euro. Yeah. Um, fish is very cheap. But meat. And, and would you be near one of the... Multiples like, say, a Mercadona or someplace like that. Yes, you would. Like, for instance, yesterday we had to go to a vet and we went to a supermarket, Lidl, it happened to be Lidl. Yeah. And um, they're far more expensive than the Lidl at home. Really? No. By far. Wow. Yeah. We know is, that for the, the is that for the essential years. stuff, like the staple prices and stuff like that? Staple, staple goods yes, like eggs yes. and milk and bread. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. For instance... This is just one example. A tin of sweet corn in Lidl at home is 30 cent. Yes. It's one euro in Lidl in Spain. Ooh. That's a huge, you know, yeah. increase. But, but to eat out, to go for a coffee, a glass of wine is 2.20, Alberino wine, mm. 2.20 for a beer. Yeah. And you'd always get a little tap of them with that. You might get a, a slice of... Um, a tortilla española, you might yeah. get a quiche, you might, you know, yeah. they'll always give you something. With a, few little, a few little olives and nuts, if that's all you got, like, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, they'll always give you something. Now, yeah. you're, you say yeah. you're there for, for a few months, so, so you'll know, like, that the, look, the, the wages out there are nothing like they are at home. The cost of insurance is nothing like it is at home. Yes, indeed. But, but even yes. taking all that into account, it still works out cheaper. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, huge difference, huge difference. Um, we, I always try to tip well here because for that reason, yeah. you know. I would be the same, I would be the same now. On my holidays, I'd always make sure that, that I gave the, the server a nice tip. What, what, yes. brought, what yes. brought you over yeah. there? What, what, what are you doing over there? Um, for? Well, we do, we're sailing over here actually oh, for a few nice. months. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Where are you from? Cork. I see. Cork City, yeah. You're from the city and it's just your own boat? Are you retired or what's the yes. story? Yes, um, yes, retired just recently. Um, it's our own boat we brought from Kinsale right. over here last year. So we're hoping to sail to Portugal at the end of perhaps next month. And what's the weather like today? So, well, the weather now is beautiful blue skies. Um, it's about 20 five degrees at the that. moment I'd take that yeah, is, the, is the sailing weather nice um, yes it is yeah it is Excellent. Excellent. who won't complain <laughs> no yeah, we're, complain. We're, no it's really really lovely it's a beautiful part of, the, of Spain it's only yeah. it's not it's not a resort it's only spoilt by their own like if the, the tourists are there are Spanish tourists. They come from Madrid, you know. I'm not sure of the Barcelona. of the geography. Are you anywhere near San Sebastian, for example? San Sebastian? No, no, no. No, no you're no, not no. near. Okay, no, no, no. That's, that's the only, that's We're west of that. You're west of it. Ah, I see. I yeah, see. yeah. Right. We're just well, above Portugal. Very good. Okay. If you like. Well, you, you enjoy your yeah. stay and enjoy your sailing and safe, safe sailing, and good seas, Fiona. Thank you. From Bayona. 
in Spain. 0818969696. Yeah, I had been hearing that, and that confirms it, that the cost of your groceries in the local Mercadona or Lidl or Aldi or there's another one, Hyperdino and Superdino and a few more of those. There's actually a place you'll come across it if you're in Spain, particularly if you're in the Canary Islands, called Dialpri or Dialprix. Uh, D-I-A-L-P-R-I-X, Dial Pre, and that's actually super value. I was amazed by it. We stayed last year in Tenerife. There was a Dial Pre on the complex. And the first thing I walked into it one morning is I looked at super value dog food. Like, um, and I asked my buddy who was with me, he said, hey, yeah, they're a super value brand. They're a super value chain. Dial Pre. They're all over Spain and the Canaries. But you know what? Uh, the the airport breakfast that um, was it Martin? No, there is no name on it. The airport breakfast. I can remember last year having. We left on a Tuesday morning, and on a, the Monday afternoon, I bought a, a ham and cheese roll, simple ham and cheese baguette with a little bit of butter in it, and a bottle of water as I was walking along the prom, and that cost me two eighty, one eighty for the ham and cheese roll and a euro for the bottle of water as I as I wandered along. The following morning at the airport we'd nearly start, so I picked up at the airport now the same ham and cheese roll with a bit of butter and the same bottle of water. <laughs> and that cost me <laughs> six seventy. Airports are airports, my friend. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. We might be Yeah, I thought they did us proud. I still believe they did us proud. I'm disappointed they didn't go through. Nina, uh, you are calling us from the Netherlands. Morning. Hello, good morning. How are you? Great. You lived in Cork for a little while. And, and you yeah. still listen to us over there, which is great. But you, you, were, you, felt, you felt bad for wild youth. Yeah, I really did. I I was really disappointed that they didn't make it through. I I listened to this song earlier a few times. I have it even on my playlist. I play it every day. It's it's really a great song and it has also a very nice message. And really I, I, I can I can believe this and I mean same for the Netherlands but well I I think that Irish song was better than the the one from the Netherlands, but still, like you said, Croatia. Uh, how did it get in? I mean, really? <laughs> you mean you how? mean you mean this one? <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> yes. How really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, really, it's it's uh, it's unbelievable. And lately, I mean, past few years. 
uh, Ireland has had really good songs and you didn't make it through and so not sure what's going on yeah. but it's yeah been, we didn't we it's, haven't been through now yeah. since 2018 but when you think of France yeah. they haven't won since 1977 or 87 or some ages ago when was the last time the Netherlands won Nina can you remember oh. Um, that wasn't that long ago. No, no, uh, I'll find out there in a second. One of my all-time favourite Eurovision songs, actually, is is a Netherlands winner from the 70s. You're probably way too young to remember it. Uh, it was yeah. Teach In, uh, Ding a Dong. It was one of, the first, one of the first records I ever bought with my own money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. It was a Dutch Eurovision song. Yeah, uh, yeah. I... I I actually like the, the Dutch entry in uh, 2014 uh, when the Netherlands came in second. Uh, that was a very good song and I thought that they would win. That was a very, very nice song. You, yeah. were in, you lived in Cork for, for... How long were you living in Cork? That's why you listen to us every morning over in the Netherlands. What was... Um... Actually, the the reason the reason is that uh, I simply just uh, like your country. <laughs> uh, I like uh, everything Irish, and uh, yes, uh, I lived there for half a year. I was au pair uh, with one family, okay. and um, yeah, it. I, I like the Irish culture, everything your. Especially your accent. And also, I listen to this station every morning uh, when the when the morning show is on, and it always makes me laugh. Oh, it's good. it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. And then I listen to you because I work from home. I can afford that. I can afford to listen to the radio every brilliant. day, brilliant. all day. Well, so lovely. yeah, lovely, lovely yeah. to hear from you. Yeah, it was Duncan Lawrence won in 2019. It was the last time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. He, he had a, he had a yeah. good song and a, and a sickeningly good looking boy as well he was you know? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Nina, great to hear from you and, and give it, pop, us, pop us a message from time to time we'll be delighted to say hello to you listen to us in the Netherlands we're in Cork for a while it's not pair and loves the radio station loves the show and always gets a good laugh thank you Nina and she reckons that Ireland was robbed 0818969696 come here so here's a question for you and Derry don't answer this one off the top of your head we'll, we'll get the answer in a minute but you're driving along the road and there's a, a car coming in the opposite direction or indeed there's a car in front of you and their left indicator is flashing. What does that mean? I repeat the question. That they're coming across you, they're coming along towards you in the opposite lane or they're in front of you in the same lane and their left indicator is flashing. What exactly does that mean? mean. Derry, you sent us an email about indicator use. We'll answer that question in a minute. But you reckon we're up, loads, loads of people out there using them wrong. Good morning. Morning, Peter. Yeah, I reckon there's about seven different ways of, of people not using indicators properly. I mean, besides the people that don't actually use them at all. <laughs> yeah. The, the guess where I'm going, Brigade. <laughs> yes, exactly. As you probably see from the email, I, I label nearly every one of them. You did. The, the, the one, the, the guess where I'm going is the one, I'm particularly the guy who changed his mind halfway through. 
He's my favourite. <laughs> That's the oops, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, he starts. He's turning and he starts. Oh, he's turning. Yes. The turn. Sorry, I do but, but he, he, no, no. He's coming up to a turn, right? And we said it might be a crossroads. He's coming up to a turn. He starts to flick left, and then all of a sudden he goes right again. I, I, I left that one up, Peter, because sometimes that can be an hour of people just hitting the wrong indicator at the wrong time. Yeah. But I, I understand where you're coming from. Yes, people do do that a lot. Because mm. we are. So I when we're learning to drive, it's one of the things that your instructor will drill into you, correct use of the indicators. But we, we seem to we seem to forget. Exactly. I mean, what, I mean, as you perceive an email, there's a lot of different things happening with indicators. I mean, besides the people that don't actually do it at all. I mean, what's the use of putting on the indicator and letting it flash once and then moving again? Oh, yeah, that's blinking, you'll miss it. <laughs> Blinking, you'll miss it exactly. Yeah. How? I mean, when when you were learning to drive, how long before the manoeuvre were you taught to indicate? Oh, Peter, I learned to drive when I was 13 years of age. My father taught me, and first thing he taught me when I sent to the car was to actually to use the indicator, where the switch was. Right. Yes. And you weren't allowed to. A bit like my dad, you weren't allowed to take off. You weren't allowed to move out into traffic on you until you understood where the indicator was and how to use it. Yeah. I wasn't even allowed to put it in gear before the indicator was done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The one who drives up to the junction and then literally just as they're about to turn. Because you've got to make all sorts of calculations behind them. You haven't, these just I mean, just, just, people don't realise that not everybody on the road is psychic, <laughs> basically. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, how are we supposed to know what other people are doing if they don't let us know? Yeah, yeah. You also said that you went through the driver's manual and <laughs> yes. looking for a particular <laughs> law. What was that? You couldn't find it. <laughs> I couldn't find it, but Peter, I'd say it doesn't exist. Basically, what I was saying is that people think that putting on hazard warning lights when they're double parked or parked in the other box overrides the rules that you can't park them. <laughs> I like that one. I like that. Yeah, that you couldn't find that an, that anywhere. No, I couldn't find that anywhere. And people still believe that putting on the hazard warning lights allows them to park legally. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I just pull up here on these double yellow lines and I hit the hazards. And okay, yeah. we know you're probably only gone into the shop for two minutes, but you're still not allowed whether you are flashing the the, the hazards or not. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But what's the other one the keep you guessing guy well keep you guessing that's the guy that's actually with uh, puts on the indicator to turn somewhere to right or left right and when you go back onto the straight road after the indicator is still flashing oh yes and he hasn't turned it off he hasn't turned it off so he could be along a straight path of the road and he's indicating to either go right or left and a dual carriageway is very confusing because people be in one lane indicated to go to the other as you're approaching, you slow down to let them out. Another half mile later, they're still in the same lane. Yeah. The indicator signals your intention. Yes, that's the whole thing. I mean, it, it shows your intention basically means that you, you plan to do something, but it doesn't give you the right to do it. <laughs> I mean, for instance, PJ, if I was to indicate to you that I was going to hit you, would that mean I could do it? Uh, indeed not. <laughs> you know, so we're not we're not be the same with the indicators. Have you? 
I have, yeah. Do you have the, would you have the answer to my question? So the guy is coming against you, or he's in front of you, and his indicator is flashing left. What does that mean, Derry? It just shows his intention to what he wants to do, but it doesn't mean he has the right to do it. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't, believe it or not. And a lot of people believe, I mean, there's one guy that uh, watch out and coming, coming in, person that puts on the indicator just to start the maneuver, move right across you, or turn left or right or whatever. No, no warning whatsoever. No warning. Uh, the, the indicator is not. Yes, the indi- that's one of my favorite one. The indicator that I'm coming into your lane, that is not a that is not telling me you can crash in without giving me a due well, opportunity. At least to notice. Exactly. Yeah. You know, let me know what's going to happen. Don't whip, whip out in front or whip out into into a lane in traffic. No, the fella with the with the Jerry Cheers. I thank you for the email. The fella with the flashing left indicator. So he's coming against you. Or he's in front of you in the lane and he begins to indicate. His light begins to flash. Derry got it wrong. Derry said it signals his intention. Not quite, Derry. Not quite. Um, can anybody answer that question? Um, on prices, €9 Euro for a glass of wine, ten fifty for a vodka, and a very small Coke in the Kingsley about two weeks ago. I thought that was a bit excessive, says Maggie. Yeah, the Coke, the bottles of Coke that they give out now with, with, with vodka, is it my imagination now they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller? I always thought if you, if you want to get a vodka and Coke, they should give you a can of Coke. Uh, the, you know, the standard can of Coke. You'll need a couple of vodkas out of that. That'd be fair. In fact, if you, I think if you go to a, a club now, I think out in Nemo, if you order, I, I'm just picking Nemo because I've been there a fair few times. If you order a short now, you'll get the Coke with it in a can, um, rather than just these little butty tiny bottles, which are ridiculously expensive. It's the same actually with um, being been here in Spain. Uh, like my son likes a glass of Coke with his dinner, and here it's one of them little tiny teeny little bottles and over there they have a size I've never seen before, it's not quite the litre it's not quite the half litre or somewhere in between it's nearly it's nearly a pint Hi PJ, listen to your price about uh, supermarket prices in Spain it's imported items that are expensive half pound of Kerrygold butters 450 a pound of Clonakilty sausages 650 but local items uh, Spanish items are quite cheap still, says Sean. Well, thanks for that, Sean. I always do buy the local stuff um, as much as I can. I, I, I don't understand this idea of going on holidays to Spain or anywhere, but Spain have been more times than most. I don't understand this idea of having to have Irish products. Like, I mean, Spain is a perfectly good food industry. I don't understand that need. People going around looking for Kellogg's cornflakes in Spain, or I don't understand this idea that you have to have Irish stuff in Spain. I, I don't understand it, but thank you, Sean. We went to a cafe in Glenmire, 420 for two slices of toast. The coffee was 390. What the hell? <sighs> the butter was 10 cents. What the We've turned into a greedy, grabby nation. Where's the Cade meal of It's all gone. Nothing's complimentary. No topping up with a tea, no coffee refills. It's rare to be offered even. I was looking up hotels in the city as I'm coming to a gig 
400 euro a night for most of them without breakfast. Can't justify a night in Cork City when I live half an hour away. Would be nice to make a night of it. Can't be doing too much for tourism. Bad for business, says Sharon. Yeah. I must say, Sharon, I have fallen out of love with hotel breakfasts, I think. And I'm just popping it out there for what it is worth. And it doesn't apply to every hotel. Certainly does not apply to every hotel. But it applies to more than one hotel I've stayed in since COVID. And that is the quality of breakfast in hotels has gone to the dogs. It used to be nice, freshly cooked, fresh buffet breakfast. The quality of breakfast in a load of hotels is gone to the absolute dogs. In fact, I used to go to a place regularly in Kerry and we decided, I don't think we'll go there anymore because the quality of the breakfast was gone to pot. Antoinette, my daughter's in Santa Ponza. I went into a bar. Six euro for a can of Copperberg. That's been ripped off. That's been ripped off. 0818 96 96 96. You don't have to travel for wonderful things to do. We all like to get away. But let's do something local. And we've said that we will talk about the good local stuff. And there's plenty of it out there. Let's get on a ferry. And let's go to our own islands. Like Cape Clear. Haven't been there in years. Shirkin. Haven't been there in a long time. Or take a boat out to the wonderful Fastnet. Karen Cottrell from Cape Clear Ferries. You're going from strength to strength down there. And that wonderful new ferry will be doing the the Fastnet Rock Trip this summer. Morning, Karen. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. I've seen the pictures and I've seen some video of this. That's a mighty new craft. That is surely is a mighty new craft. Um, Originally from Cairns. Um, and then came to Doolin, and now here we are in West Cork. So I suppose you could say Cairns has come to Cork. Indeed it has. Now, the, the Fastnet trip, it, it's very much weather-dependent, isn't it? It's, it, it? It used to it's, be a thing not for the faint-hearted. Will this, will this new vessel help there? Exactly. Um, yes, so it's a, it's a much sturdier um, ferry. It's faster, so it can do a speed of up to 20 knots. So mm. we can go in around the Fastnet much faster. Um, and we can avoid the weather. There's also um, the interior of us has huge, large windows. So we have the inside outside. Mm. So a good old Irish weather. We now don't have to worry too much about the good old Irish weather. We just have to worry about the bucket list and getting people to their bucket list. Yeah. That's what we have to do and mm. do it nicely. Carry about 200 passengers. You, so you're, you're doing the, the Cape Clear crossing uh, as well. Yeah. So we, have, we operate Cape Clear Island all year round from Baltimore. Um, and then in the summer months, we operate out of Skull as well. Um, and then we start our fastener tours. We've already started them here in Baltimore on a Sunday. Um, and then we'll, we'll start in June from Skull with the new ferry. Mm. And then we'll increase them then July and August. We'll also have our evening fastener tours and our direct tours. So we'll have the day tour that will include the stop um, on Cape Clear Island or on Clara because it's a Grail Tucked Island. Yeah. So it'll include a stop there too. So it's kind of a combination, a combi tour such. Yeah, you do a couple of it hours is. on Clara and then you go out to the Fastnet. And then you continue and on in. around, yeah, to the Fastnet, out around the Fastnet. The yeah. tallest, widest, it's the tallest, widest rock lighthouse in Ireland and the UK. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, the, yeah. the history of Fastnet is fascinating. There was, a, there was a wonderful documentary on recently about the lighthouses around our coast. Like, how yeah. on earth did they, they build, build that thing? Yes. Um, yeah, it was on the Great Lighthouses of Ireland. 
Um, we do have a lot of the audio and stuff on board as well, so we do give all the history um, of all 1979. Well, I was going to ask that. Is there, is there a, there's a commentary, is there? There is, yeah. Yeah, there's full commentary on the fastness. Yeah, yeah, how it was built. I won't give away too many secrets now, but they'll hear it all on board. Yeah, because it was yeah. a massive job of engineering. And they did it oh, twice. They built the first one. You, you can see the remains of the first one. Yeah, well, the, first, the original one was actually built on Cape Clear Island. So that's the connection. And, and what happened um, in years gone by was a packet ship um, sunk off, off, off of um, Cape Clear Island yeah. due to fog. So they built it up too high. And then they built the one at the Fastnet that's looking straight out from Cape Clear Island. And that's the connection. So Cape Clear Island would be the nearest island to the Fastnet. Yeah, it's a wonder of engineering. Is it manned yeah. these days or is it automatic? It's automatic, but we generally during the summer months, we'll, they, they let us know when they're there. So it's actually even an extra bonus for passengers to see the helicopter landing. Oh. Can you can you, can, can, can you go on? Can you go? Can you can you? Does the ferry pull up, or is it just go around it? Can you go on? No, we go up. No, we go up around it very close, circumnavigate it twice around one way and then the other way, just so that everybody gets to see. No, you can't. You can't land on the fastness. No, Fabul- fabulous. How long is that trip then to go from Baltimore over to Cape Clear, around the fastness and back? How long is the trip? So it's a day trip. So it's about five or six hours. Sometimes we do them. We give people longer time. Um, some people want to do it very short and just go out around the fast and back. That's about two and a half hours. Mm. And then some people want to make the David, bring their picnic, eat in the restaurants and the pubs on the island and go for a swim or a walk. Yeah. Um, Cape Clear Island is beautiful. I mean, it's it's gorgeous in the summer. Looked. It's really gorgeous yeah. in the summer. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it, yeah. yeah. The, 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 is there a sunset trip? Did I see that in your website? Yeah, so the evening tour then, you have two options, whether you want to just go um, from Baltimore Skull directly out around the Fastnet and back, or whether you want to go earlier in the day and have your stop in Cape Clear, maybe have a bit of dinner on Cape Clear, mm. um, and then continue on around the Fastnet. That one is spectacular because you'll get to see you'll get to see the water by day, but you'll also get to see the sun go down to the Fastnet. Well, well, that's a huge bucket list. We're regular visitors yeah. to Baltimore, uh, and and one yeah. thing that's it's the most gorgeous sunset. It to see the sunset yeah. go sun go down there behind the islands. What must it be like out by by Fastnet Rock? It's incredible. And then even when you're coming back in into the land, back into Baltimore or back into Skull, and it's it's coming into darkness, it's a whole new world. Um, and if you're very lucky, the pod of dolphins will come up to show and have a play. Um, or you might even see a whale. Who knows? Um, there's loads of them there. We do stop when we see them, um, but they're plentiful. But they're not. They're not. They're not like fungi that they're there every day. That's the only. The only I problem. I know. Emer is telling me here. I've done Cape Clear, but it was a long, long time ago. If you haven't taken the ferry over and had a pint on Cape Clear on a sunny day, you haven't lived. You haven't lived, and we have three pubs open on the island now. Are they still so open? Plenty. Yes, we've plenty what was it? Was it Cotters? Is, yes. it, is it Cotters? There's Cotters, there's Kiwan and Denny Mike's, and then there's the, the club. The Club Clara, yeah. The club Cot- Clara, Cotters yeah. used to do the most gorgeous crab meat on brown bread, and this is a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah, they're still there during the summer. Yes, they're still there. <laughs> washed, yeah. down, washed down with a creamy <laughs> pint of the black stuff. CapeClearFerries.com has all the scheduled stuff and all the specials and all the trips that you can do. Karen Cottrell, I wish they you sure a successful summer, good weather and fair seas. And maybe we'll see you at some stage over the next couple of months down on the you Cape. You sure will. Cheers, the, on the Cape Clear Ferry. It's, lads, we don't know what we have. We have some of the best in the world right here 
on our doorstep. Dunn's of a new trick, says Tom. Sugar was 150 or less. Now it's a euro for 500 grams. The bag is smaller. Ha, ha, ha. 0818 My old driving instructor used to tell me, if a fella's coming towards you with his indicator to turn left, or the fella's in front of you with his indicator to turn left, it means... His bulb is working, and it means absolutely nothing else. Programme edited by Imar O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel... You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make me you feel Only on Cork's 96FM Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more And it's all priced at 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands Plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.